This episode is sponsored by Enriched Superfoods. Enriched is my go-to store for the most powerful, most pure superfoods on the plain et. They've got all the good stuff from maca to matcha, from shilajit to powdered greens. But you know what I love the most? I love the mushrooms. Now I know what most of you are thinking, get on with the show, right? But I know what else you're thinking. You're thinking, how can I get better at strangling people? Us jiu-jitsu guys, we're all the same. We want to be better, we want to be badder. Well, being better requires two things, learning more stuff and being able to execute more stuff. And Enriched has got you covered with what I'm calling the white basement jiu-jitsu super stack. First is lion's mane mushroom to supercharge memory, focus and clarity and even better, give a neurotrophic boost literally helping you grow new jiu-jitsu brain cells. Now, a jiu-jitsu super brain is all well and good, but if you can't execute on the mat, then it don't mean jack. That's why the second half of the super stack is the legendary Cordyceps CS4 mushroom extract, scientifically proven to offer heroic levels of stamina and energy, as well as improved lung function, actually helping you breathe better while you stop other people from breathing at all. Go to enriched.co, that's E-N-R-I-C-H-D.co, and use the promo code WhiteBasementPod for a 10% discount across the whole site. Want to get more taps in more rounds and more respect from more people? Then get super stacked. Go to enriched.co and use the promo code WhitebasementPod. You know, Jiu-Jitsu is not my job. It's something that I do that I enjoy, which even more so is, is for me, it's is amazing, okay? Um, is that I can see people sparring and I can say stop. And I stop the whole class sometimes and then I ask them to explain to me why, why you did that and why that was right for you or why do you think that was wrong for you? And it just means that everybody's thinking and everybody's in that same kind of like space. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the White Basement Podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at White Basement Pod. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, leave us a review, good or bad. It helps other people to find the show. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, bell button all so you never miss an episode. My guest today is Jude Samuel. He holds the unassailable title of being the first British black belt under the legendary Mauricio Gomez a two-time IBJJF European champion, now wearing a fourth-degree black belt. Jude has been training BJJ for over 20 years. He's the former principal counsel officer for the UK BJJA and currently the head honcho at Inglorious Grapplers in East London. He is also the matchmaker for Bellator. Jude, welcome to the podcast. Um, that's, a, that's a big introduction. It was, was that all right? <laughs> uh, or was it something I've got to go back. <laughs> Because I kind of I kind of look through people's you know what they got on their web page or yeah. their little bios right and I'm like let me let me write an introduction and then people are like oh that's a bit out of date mate you know it's, <laughs> it's not quite right but hopefully that kind of covered it yeah, kind of okay, yeah, yeah kind of most of it I, I I don't kind of like dwell on especially dwell on past stuff either you know what I mean it's it's much more important um, kind of like what's going on now I think one of the things actually that um, that has happened over the last few years for me. I've turned into that kind of old grumpy man. Well, it's not grumpy, but I look at life as, as you know, 
it's it's different when you were younger and stuff like certain stuff that you dwell on now. I just like phew, you know what I couldn't be couldn't be asked. Start to swear a lot more as well. I swear hello a lot, so I hope you don't mind. <laughs> I, I don't mind at all. <laughs> Apparently, people who swear a lot are, are more trustworthy. Oh, is it? That's that's what what, <laughs> what is said. I don't know who said that. Probably somebody who swears a lot. <laughs> trying to trying to caveat their uh, their language. So. Um, Okay, despite not wanting to focus on the past, uh-huh. can you run me through a little bit of your sort of history, your journey with uh, martial arts and BJJ? Oh, wow. Because um, you're, you're old school. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm from the generation where, um, you know, just to put it in into context with uh, jiu-jitsu is that I'm from the, from the generation of people who did jiu-jitsu who had an, a different martial art. So... Um, I started like kickboxing, Thai boxing at 17 and then went into the realms of Wing Chun and stuff and then Judo, um, which I, I dearly love. Um, I, I love Thai boxing, kind of didn't stop that at all. Um, and I think it's one of the things that helped me to kind of understand other martial arts a little bit more as well. Um, and also I, I didn't find it, I think because I did so many disciplines and did so many disciplines to you know, near enough a high enough level, um, it made it easier to understand and actually do other dis- disciplines. You know, so like I love striking. I really, really do love striking. Um, I really do love grappling as well. And um, in in my head, <laughs> you know, my missus and my family students might, might say differently, but in in my head and my and my body and my physical um, attributes, I I can switch from one to another really quickly. And so I don't find it any, you know, I don't find like, oh, this is very difficult to learn. It's just, hey, my body adapts to that that part of it very well. Do my body parts adapt to that very well? Um, and then, um, uh, so, oh, has the interest in Filipino martial arts. So that's how I met yes. Chris. Yes, shout out to Chris. <laughs> yeah, shout for, out to Chris. For, for hooking us up. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it Steve, Michael, Michael and Chris, the, 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 three, the three horsemen? Um, I think they came from Bob Breen's and trained Pat O'Malley and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I met them in East London at Pat's, I think it was. And um, yeah, it was, that was just part of my journey of of just discovery. And you know, I did traditional jiu-jitsu for a while, a long while as well. Um, and then you know, I think with the most of us of that generation who started jiu-jitsu way back, um, it was you know. Hoist Gracie, UFC, da da da, etc. And I think that, yeah, that kind of propelled us into doing jujitsu. Um, yeah, that's, that's. I mean, that was kind of, kind of the funnel at the beginning because everyone yeah. seemed to have come through that kind of background yeah. and then to Mauricio Gomez and then kind of sprayed out from there. Yeah, so the kind of um, when. Before Mauricio was in the UK, there was Chen Marais, who was in um, the Budokwai. So yes, that's right. um, a few of us used to do judo at the Budokwai. And then, um, I can't remember, was it John Donnelly, who said to Chen to come and teach at the Budokwai. So he met him somehow. Um, and so then Chen started to teach jiu-jitsu at the Budokwai. So we all, start, we all started to train with Chen and stuff. And Walt's concurrently doing judo upstairs, etc. A few of us doing judo upstairs. And then, you know, um, things kind of like gradually moved on. And I think it was, I can't remember who, who it was. 
there was um, somebody who used to train in London, used to train from Mauricio in Birmingham. And so then, you know, myself and John, John's go, oh, come up to Birmingham, come up to Birmingham, let's go and see Mauricio. And then we had, went up to Mauricio at the custard factory. And, and then that's when we met, like, you know, Mauricio and Steve and Martin Martin and all those guys up there who, yeah, and it's it was, yeah, it was good. I remember it's just being super, super cold up there and training at the custard factory and you had to train in a hoodie and underneath your gi and stuff like that. And, yeah, it was, um, it was an eye-opener, you know. It was, it was different. Different to how things are now? Um, I think, yes, different to how things are now with regards to, um, uh, how can I put it? I'm trying to get the specifics, but different, yes, with regards to actually the facilities that we have now um, and the training methods that we have now and how coaches are, are different now in comparison to, to back then. And I think as uh, one of the things is that you know, I, I always go about this thing: want versus need. And I don't I think. I think if you want something, it's not enough. You kind of need you need it, and that will take you that extra, that extra peg. You take you that bit further, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why a lot of athletes, especially in combat sports, are so successful because you know wanting it is not good enough. They 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 need it. So the higher end of guys, you know, it's the same thing. It's it's funny. I like a hair nowadays guys wanting to, oh, I need to go and train with this person and stuff like that. Well, oh, just jump on the train and go and train. But it's so far away. It's so this. And I was like, dude, I remember going to Birmingham. <laughs> and I remember like Mauricio coming down when Mauricio started to teach in London. He he had to, he was living in Birmingham and he, he came down, you know, once, twice a week to teach. So, yeah, it's, it, you have to make those um, sacrifices in order to get what you want and to go that extra mile mm -hmm. and you know and that'll, that'll, that'll get you to that point you know? i mean there's obviously now there's so many clubs yeah you, you know obviously you there may be somewhere that you want to go and train mm -hmm. specifically but if you just want a jujitsu club i mean you throw a stone right and you, you're going to hit something now Abs absolutely and I, I think it's you know i think it's 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 a good thing i think it's a very very good thing and it's it's something that i think that um i think our, our generation uh, was fighting for a long time, you know, just to kind of get that recognition, trying to get these, get jiu-jitsu a little bit more popular. Um, and there's been a few struggles along the way with regards to it, because I remember that, you know, the old school mentality of, you know, that team, this team, don't train together, but, but now, look, everyone's got open mats, you know. <laughs> it, it kind of, it, in my head, I think of it a little bit like um, when they had the Bloods and the Crypts in mm. L.A., yeah, you know these two kind of rival gangs. Yeah, and then they kind of realised, hey, you know what? We all like the same stuff. We like the same music. We're yeah. living in the same place. What about if we just get rid of this and develop our industry of music and culture and clothing yeah. and you know whatever it is? Stop fighting each other. We'll we'll be good for the whole kind of. I wish ideally it was like that, but it wasn't like, it wasn't that. like that. No, yeah. <laughs> it Tell wasn't me. like that. I, th I think it, I think it's more to do. With, um, I think it's more more to do with the the generational time has moved on. So now you've got you know, you know I'm a fourth degree black belt, but it's like, dude, look how many black belts are behind. And when you know, when me, Rick, and Mark got graded um, in two o five, you know, there's hardly any black belts. And now you just fast forward five years and then ten years on, and there's loads. And so the mentality change you know and also that mentality kind of came 
with the influx of jiu-jitsu because, you know, like, you know, don't train with this person, don't train with that one, don't train with this one. And then, you know, these oh, guys... Was that, do you think that was like, that was a Brazilian thing? Yeah, no, 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 ab ab absolutely. I don't, you know, it's, it's you can't, you know, can't deny it. It's is, is it still it's like that in Brazil or not so much? I don't know. I've been back there in ages, <laughs> back there in years. Um, but I, th I just think the, the uh, you know, it, it stems from things like business as well. Because you know you don't want your student to go somewhere else and stuff like that and blah blah, and I, I understand I understand it from a business perspective and also understand it from a brand perspective as well, um, but also from the other side of things, I think it, you do need that knowledge share because you know you do need to feel what that team or that person does you know, technically and stuff like that. And yeah, you having a role with them or whatever might it's it's a good thing. It'd be better it'd benefit both of you. Mm. Yeah, competition's competition, but it's not you know, it's not everybody that competes. And it is it is only, you know, as much as there's loads of competitions out there, it is only like the top ten percent, five percent of people who do jujitsu that kind of competes. So, you know, the rest are pretty much casual or, you know, especially now you've got a whole mature level of, of people who do jiu-jitsu. So you've yeah. got like, you know, people is you know, in their mid to late thirties, going on to fifties who have the house, kids, car, da 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 and they still have that competitive bug and stuff like that, but they still wanna they don't have the time to to basically um, uh, commit to having that way of life anymore. Mm. You know, so they come on the mat, they train three, four times a week in a com kind of competitive environment and stuff like that, but then they have to go back to work. They have the responsibilities to do, you know, they have that stuff to do. So, yeah, it's, it's you have a different kind of like level of, of, of people and stuff like that. And then, you know, Jiu-Jitsu brings out these, the, you know, these, uh, these links as well, you know. There's students of mine who, who have businesses together and stuff like that, and certain students of mine who, you know, their families go on holiday together and stuff like that. It's there's a whole different plethora of stuff that, you know, this sport has brought brought that we didn't have in the very, very beginning. And it's good to see now, you know. So yeah. I mean it's a it's a a good twenty twenty years, twenty five years kind of jiu jitsu in the UK. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, was, when was when was you nineteen ninety I'd say ninety seven, ninety eight. Started so twenty five yeah, years, yeah. give or take. Yeah, yeah, give or take a few years. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's really grown into a like a complete community, right? Oh, oh, absolutely massive, absolutely massive. I, I, I was having a conversation with um, uh, <laughs> um, Paul and Alexis from London Shoot, and um, and uh, I said to Alexis, "Cause mate, hold on a sec, mate, isn't your twentieth or twentieth anniversary?" like soon or whatever and he goes no it's gone i went jesus for fuck's sake because is that how long and he goes yeah he goes why did, what did, did you not do anything he goes no we didn't do anything blah, blah blah and it just kind of clicked a little button in my head it's like jesus you know there's so many academies that has been around for so long that you know actually they've they've hit the 20th anniversary mark and actually haven't even thought about it yet yeah. you know um, because I was going to, mate, you, when you were in America, like, it used to be um, me, his brother, and all that lot, used to train down while we were still doing jiu jitsu with Chen and a little bit of Mauricio. 
down in Queen Mother Sports Centre where I used to do, I think it's Vince, jo Vin Vince Jonesy, Cobra Gym. Used to be based down there. Now it's John Durant that's based down there. Um, with Tim Isley and all that lot. In that little room down there with the mats. And we used to all meet up on a Sunday and train. Just to have, it used to be the open mat of the time. So used to have loads of people from different academies coming down. And we also trained together. And, but, you know, that's a, that was a kind of like, you know, a, a London thing of everybody kind of like meeting up who there wasn't the, you know, times and to come and train and stuff elsewhere, etc. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I um, I'm a similar age to you. Mm. We, I, I, I was doing kung fu when UFC when I saw UFC yeah. one and then realised, oh wow, like <laughs> <laughs> what happened with this guy with the pajamas? This is not what I was told. But I looked everywhere for for jujitsu for a long time. I, yeah. I just couldn't find anything. Yeah. And um, in the end, I, I can't remember how long ago it was, but a friend of mine from Kung Fu had started training with Eddie Cohn. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he just messaged me one day. I had, I'd stopped doing Kung Fu because I'd started working mm. and I was too busy and whatever. And he just messaged me one day and said, um, oh, the, um, I found this jiu-jitsu club in uh, Dalston when he yeah. was there. Um, Hoist Gracie's coming to do a seminar tonight. Yeah. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah. It's like my hero, right, from, from seeing UFC 1. So that was my first yeah. ever lesson was a Hoist Gracie seminar. Nice. And then um, I trained for a bit. I hurt my neck like straight away pretty mm. much. And I had to stop training for about 10 years, 11 years. Oh, wow. So I kind of feel a bit gutted that yeah. I, I would have I sort of experienced like, that whole kind mm. of growth of, of jiu-jitsu in the UK. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. You come uh, to it when you come to it, right? Yeah, that, well, that, that's, that's it. You know, the guy that I started... BJJ with John Donnelly, he just got his black belt. Now? Yeah. Well, I mean, even Chris, right? When I when I mm. speak to Chris, you know, because I see him every uh, probably six, eight weeks just yeah. for like a treatment, a yeah. massage, whatever. And um, we always end up talking about martial arts yeah. or training or something. And he always says to me, oh, you know what? Like I was a blue belt when Jude was a whatever purple yeah, belt, yeah. or Roger was a brown belt, yeah. or whatever. But you know, if you if you don't go, that's what happens, right? Yeah, that and 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 that's it. But I think that's also kind of like um, the 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 beauty of when people come back to jujitsu. It's they come back with a different um, renewed. You come back at the right time. Yeah, you know, you can always always go oh. Um, you know, if only like I didn't get injured. If only no, that it was meant to be that you came back at that time, yeah. and you know, also like you pr probably come back into jujitsu jiu with a mature head and a different way of looking at things. You know, or ten years ago you could have been jujitsu and been a right asshole right now. You know, yeah. that's 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 the flip side of it. So, yeah. you know, it was meant to be that. You know, you came into Jitsi at that time or, or you, you know, you, yeah, you wouldn't have been probably sitting down here if you... Exactly. That's right. This is, this is exactly what I was thinking yesterday. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, if, if I had have been training more, yeah. I, I, I probably wouldn't have met my wife. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have started this podcast. You know, there's lots mm. of stuff that's had great cats. in my life. I <laughs> wouldn't have had the cats. <laughs> that's, that's great in my life that, yeah. that, you know, it would have been different for yeah. better or for worse or whatever. But, you know, I think I think a lot of it, especially as you get older, kind of comes down to whether you feel happy and content in your life. Yeah. Because if you do, you, you can't really regret or moan about anything. Mm. 
it's only if you kind of feel like I'm not in a place where I want to be. Yeah. Then you start looking back and saying, oh, if this was different or I'd have done that or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's, I think, I think that's where it comes from. If you're, if you're content with where you are, then like you say, everything is just on your path, right? Yeah, so no, no, your, absolutely. Your, your journey. And I think that's the only way you can be, um, it's the only way you can actually progress in, in any kind of combat sport is when you are content. But you use that bit of, um, insecurity or, or not being content as fuel to get you to the kind of next level, you know. So certain things like you know, you're you're happy in your emotional state, and when you come onto the mat, etc. But you know, this guy causes your problem, blah blah blah. So you deal with him that way. But if you got if you bring external stuff onto the mat, you know, oh, I got grief at home, and you come onto the mat, you can't deal with that problem with a clear head. You can't deal with that problem for a clear goal. You know what I mean? You can't use that bit of energy that you need to in order to solve that problem because half of your head is somewhere else. Um, and you, you see it, you know, me from being a coach, I, I see, I know when students jump into the mat and they're training when something isn't right. And it's to do with not what's happening on the mat, it's to do with the outside. Sometimes I go, mate, you okay? Oh, no, no, mate, go into the steam room, man. Just jump off the mat, don't worry. You know what I mean? Don't, don't worry, it's fine. You know, what that little break might do you way better than just trying to spar the next five rounds. Just you know, go home, da -da -da -da. if you want, we'll just go out for some food after the class. You know what I mean? And then, yeah, and deal, deal with it that way. Because it's supposed to be that place of healing. No, it's a combat sport, but it's supposed to be that place of healing, and how you heal it is is from combat. It's not from you know, just yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, my kind of experience of it, and I think from many other people that I've spoken to, they they and and I kind of have maybe more an experience of even if you're got external struggles mm. getting on the mat helps you to put them aside and forget about them for an hour or a couple of hours yeah. while you're training and then you kind of finish and then you're right you know i've got now room to process yeah. that again and i think i think maybe a lot of it comes down to the the level of um the people that you're training with, so certainly in terms of sparring, if you've got people that are really pushing you and you're mm -hmm. really trying to think, right, I've got, I've got to be on every sort of, everything is firing, yeah. then I think for a lot of people it does help you to put that stuff aside because you just can't process it. You're like, yeah. it's, either, it's either an arm lock or I've got to just be like right yeah. here in the moment. So I, I guess that's, that's um, different for, for different people. I mean, I suppose it depends how how difficult the external things are, right? Whether yeah. it's just a, someone pissed you off at work or whether you're really going through something Struggles, that's yeah. more difficult. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of one of the things as a, as, a, as a coach, a head coach, you have to deal with and also kind of delegate. So or what I've done, because since we moved from our old place to this place, what I've done over the last few years is kind of filter out um, uh, kind of, any kind of negative aspects on the mat, no cliques on the mat. Just can't, can't. It's a, it's a killer of an academy, you know. Um, and also, 
you know, as I was talking about earlier, having that mature level of individuals on, on the mat, that's really important. Um, I cut my classes down to 20 maximum people on the mat. No more. No more. Because one of the things I realise actually of having so many individuals on the mat, and this is me personally, it's not something, what do you call it, you know, criticising other coaches or whatever, is is that if... You know, if I've got I've got ten pairs of people on the mat, so I've got twenty people on the mat. I've got anything more than that. I'm not an effective coach. I only can coach a certain percentage of people. Um, the thing that I enjoy, you know, judicious is not my job. It's something that I do that I enjoy, which even more so is is for me is it's amazing. Okay, um, is that I can see people sparring, and I can say stop. And I stop the whole class sometimes, and then I ask them to explain to me why, why you did that, and why that was right for you, or why do you think that was wrong for you. And it just means that everybody's thinking, and everybody's in that same kind of like space. So yeah, you're not thinking about shit that's happening outside. You're just thinking, okay, how do I solve this problem? Da 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 da. What did? And somebody has to answer. You know, I don't. You know, they have to answer because it's. I don't want to create a. Uh, uh, a team of or individuals of they have to be force fed everything all the time I want to create teachers that's what I want to create I don't want to create people that need to be force fed or you know we have enough people that are Muppets in, on the planet as it is already I want people who are forward thinking think of themselves and can are teachers themselves so athletes will come they'll come on a map but they will be taught by teachers every single role that they have, whether they're beating them or whether they're not beating them. You know, and that that's that's my goal and that's the thing that I've had in my in my head the last couple of years. And it's really, really working. It's it's like it's really cool to see, you know, just how people develop. And especially one of my benchmarks is to see how quickly somebody hasn't done jujitsu before develops into somebody's actually quite it has a good aptitude at it yeah because that be, that beginning bit is difficult right oh, going from zero to, yeah. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, one yeah, is yeah, very hard yeah, yeah once you kind of understand basically underhook overhook mm -hmm. and hips and whatever then it, you, you can start to progress but yeah i mean that that was the thing that i found most difficult at the beginning yeah was like literally i i was in my in my head you know initially when I was training with um, at Eddie's and then mm -hmm. even later when I came back and I was training with Ed Ingemel's yeah. uh, resistance um, in my head whenever a question was asked mm -hmm. I had a 100% failure rate Yeah, you know it's like yeah, should yeah. you turn left or right here obviously right not yeah. left <laughs> put your hand on this side of that well obviously there right no, no over there. <laughs> it took me like 6 months probably 12 months to really yeah. just start to for my brain to re sort of calibrate itself to yeah. jujitsu yeah. movement, you know, turning into someone rather than turning, turning away, away yeah, yeah, yeah. putting that underhook yeah, yeah. rather than trying to have an overhook, yeah. like you might yeah. be striking, you know, having protecting your head. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 beginning bit is is very difficult, and it, and it's interesting actually because I had Ed um, Ed's been on a couple of times, Ingemels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, nice the, guy, man. yeah, the, the second one that, that we did more recently, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of uh, it's, it's a sort of a teaching theory called ecological dynamics, mm -hmm. it's basically what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of Ed's gone down this road, yeah. of not, not teaching in the traditional way, mm -hmm. but kind of 
setting a task yes. and then letting people try to figure out how to do it. Yeah. And then if they need kind of a little bit of guidance or a bit of help along the way, pulling them up like you're doing yeah, and yeah, saying, yeah. why do you keep, rather than saying, oh, look, you keep getting stuck there because you yeah. need a different grip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just says, look, you keep getting stuck there. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. You need to figure out why, you know, yeah. you try some different things or whatever and, and, and exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And then I had another guy in recently called uh, Jack Cronin, who's got mm. 33 uh, jiu-jitsu in yeah. Hornsey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he basically said the same thing over yeah. the last couple of years. He's, he's gone from the way he was teaching mm-hmm. to, to exactly that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, I wonder whether it's a little bit like, um, you know, the 100th hundred, hundredth monkey thing. Do you know that, that concept? So they had, um, they, there's this concept, I think, I think it's called the 100th monkey. Mm-hmm. So you got um, these little isolated populations yeah. of animals. Yes. The example is these monkeys. They live on this little tiny atoll somewhere. Yeah. And then these monkeys here, they figured out how to open coconuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a week later, these monkeys mm. on another island that they can't connect with it, they figured out how to do the coconuts yeah. after like being there for 20 years. Yeah. And it's... It's there's kind of like some kind of energy uh, field, yeah, like yeah, the Akashic yeah. record. Once there's a certain amount of mm. energy, then if you're receptive to it, yeah. you you tap into it, and you're like, I'm going to start teaching like this. Yeah. And then someone else is like, a weird <laughs> thought last night. I'm going to start teaching like that. Do you, do you subscribe to that kind of woo-woo energy? No, I you know <laughs> no. I, I I believe it's um it's in our nature as human beings to s- solve things. I think it was um, Gordo who said it um, because he's always kind of like been praised to be the person that invented the half guard. Yeah, because when he was injured, etc. etc. I think it's him that said it. He goes he goes. Everyone also always says it about me, but there's somewhere, someone in Japan or Russia and stuff like that who had the same problem, who's done exactly the same thing, only because it's needs must. It's as simple as you're injured, you're stuck in a position, you need to work it out. Okay, put my hands here, blah blah blah, and you'll work it out. It's because you've got two arms, two legs, and a brain. And so, if you had three arms and three legs, then it would be a totally different te- technical thing. Yeah. But we're we're restricted by. Uh, our limbs and what we have and what's what's between our ears and so eventually it doesn't matter how what the time span is but eventually you'll come to that conclusion because that is the only way you can actually really go do you yeah, see so what it's I mean? It's just looking for better efficiency efficient, at efficient ways of, of teaching and it's, it's I think I think that's that's the way it's that's the way it's heading. You know, um, you mentioned Jackie, you mentioned Ed, but go back and see how much years of teaching they've got behind them. You know, so they've come to that point where actually this is the how I'm going to teach. I'm going to refine the way I teach because I've seen the results and people are enjoying jujitsu a lot better as well. And I, and that's one of the things that I've, I find um, because you're putting problems for people to solve in a in a in a good way. You know, it's like, you know, it's the difference in be- between um, you doing a maths exam and you doing Sudoku. It's still mathematics, but one is actually really enjoyable. The other one's like, oh, Jesus, so stressful. So it's exactly the same sort of thing, but done in a totally different way. You know, you are there in control of how much you actually learn, the way you learn as well, and you're made to think and you're made to push. So I think, you know, I think in this kind of day and age, um, people are more receptive to that type of learning. 
20 years time it might change. Um, it might go back to the kind of the old roughneck, you know, load, boom, get in there, you're weak, get out of the gym kind of attitude. But for now, as, as the present moment is now and how society is, um, it's yeah, it's it's the way it's the way to teach. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, you can and, you can still have like you know, hundred students on the mat who put the lights on over. You know what I mean? Totally, you can still have that because actually at the end of the day, you are running a business. You know, and but you know, I'm lucky enough, and probably a few other instructors are lucky enough to be able to indulge in this way of teaching because you know, financially we don't have that that um, that struggle. So how do you manage that that class size then of twenty people? Have you, do you pe- people first come first serve, or you got on a waiting yeah, yeah, it's list? Yeah, booking to, system, man. You just yes. it opens on a it's Monday a booking or system. And you, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to come and train, you put your class so like normal gym classes. App, yeah, yeah. If the yoga class is full, you can't do it. That's right, you can't do right. it. Absolutely can't do it, and you can book two two months ahead. You know. And you got. I had a quick look at your timetable. You got, got a lot of classes there. Yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got we've got yoga. We've got Thai boxing. Um, uh, I get um, I get guys to come, which I don't put on because I just think it's for the guys internal and the members and stuff like that. Um, but I get guys come down and teach wrestling and other uh, other instructors to, to come there, just run a practice and stuff like that. Because it's really good. It's it's good to it's good to have um, different views all the time of certain techniques, you know what I mean? And they go, oh, what what have you been teaching this week? I've been teaching this, 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 X card from this and blah, blah, blah. I've been doing this. Okay, yeah, yeah. let's let's do my take on it. And and it's good. It's it's very, 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 very good, you know? And so what what did your training look like when you started out? How many times a week and what what were you doing? And and how has it changed over time and what do you do now? Training wise, it was it's just very back then. It was just very full on. Just you, you sparred a lot, you know, technique, and then just sparred, 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 sparred. A lot of sparring, um, a lot of sore joints and stuff. Your body was sore. Um, I think as your teaching is refined, and everybody's teaching refined, I think everybody's training is also refined to that point as well. So, like for instance, is um, you know up until. I'd say last year, I like I hate running, but up until last year, just lifting a lot, you know, deadlift squats, blah blah blah, to get your body stronger and stuff like that. And and that this, this point in time was like, oh, it's killing my back, and your body starts to tighten up and stuff like that, and you have got problems that no one no one can figure out, and you know you got cupping done and all seeing all type of people and stuff like that. And then I just took a break from lifting, and I said that you know. Um, it was actually one of my students, Mike. He tried to, he tried to, he did actually. He coaxed me into doing a half marathon. I'm like, mate, I hate running. Fuck, I just, uh, I hate running. But so started like training for it and stuff like that. You know, that's nice and slowly. You know, doing one k a day, two k's a day, whatever. But anyway, didn't get to do the half marathon. But what I found was that my body started to heal very well. And I. At my age and the stage that I am in life, my body needed a different type of exercise to make me strong in comparison to what I was doing. And I find like what happens this year is that it's less injuries, doing a little bit more running and stuff like that, lifting a little bit less, and the balance is kind of like all starting to pay out. And I, yeah, I feel good, I feel strong. I mean, feel <laughs> feel strong, I feel, yeah, feel, feel well, you know. Feel younger. Well, not younger. I just, I just feel like you know, it's 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 good. You know, it was, you know, with the family in a holiday in Turkey. It's like, mate, sunshine's like solar power for me, man. Yeah. 
all my injuries went within like boom just like a couple of days it was good you know food is good and stuff like that i think um, especially with darker skin yeah, need we need it. a lot of sun oh, you yeah. don't make vitamin d well yeah you know you need hardcore sunshine. you need hardcore sunshine you know so yeah it's like haven't took supplements in ages and stuff like that so because i i cook a lot you know and that's the one thing i do do live and die by yeah, yeah. what do you what do you like to cook Anything, just like Have you got a signature stuff. dish or no? Risotto is actually my signature dish. Ah. Seafood risotto. All right, talk, talk me through a. Talk. No, I can't. Is it a I can't. It's a secret. It's oh, a deadly God. secret. <laughs> I've, I've, I've even got the blue tick from my Italian friends, mate. That's how good it is. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe, on a, maybe on a follow up episode, we might find out the risotto recipe. <laughs> yeah, no, I love rice. Risotto's, risotto's is good. It, yeah. it seems like very kind of simple food. Yeah. But it's just delicious. It's delicious. It's delicious. It's it's it is simple, but it's just like a a process of stuff. You know, you know, like baking is chemistry, yes. but cooking is like passion and, and a lot more emotive. Yeah. Because you know you can change things on the fly. Or baking, if you do one thing wrong, it's like ah, start all over again. But so so when you cook, are you do you have like say when you make that risotto, are mm. you with a recipe or do you just you kind nah, of remember nah, what nah. you do? It's, it's, dash it, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of the things with what you call having kids as well, because you have to cook. You know, I mean, I go and pick up my little boy from school, bring him home, boom, boom, I cook for him, I cook for the whole family. So it's, 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 uh, you know, it's a habit. It's a habit, you know. It, it's, I think it's important. I mean, mm. especially um, in terms of family time. Yeah. Sitting down for a meal is oh, actually super important. Yeah. It's really like a bonding experience, right? Eating mm. together, you know, look at more kind of traditional way of living. Yeah. Everyone's doing their thing in the day and then get together in the evening, mm. cook, sit down together, eat, you know, yeah. that's, it's, it's very important. And, and, you know, another, another thing that's probably getting lost with the social media and access to yeah. food and order this and I don't want to eat that. Oh. I mean, when I was, when I was young, I mean, we're similar age when I, when I was young, like you are eating what gets cooked. Yes. There's no like, oh, can, yeah. can I, I'm just going to get one of these today. It's like, no, 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 no. no, no. Yeah, what yeah, goes on the good. table, that's eat right. it or you're not going to eat it. And if you don't eat it table. today, you're going to eat tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was definitely, uh, definitely different times. So, um, in terms of, of your training like with, mm. with weights and stuff, this, this is also quite interesting because Jack, who was in recently, was saying that he's settled on um, basically one set to failure mm-hmm. about every 10 days. Right. So he's, he's actually doing less volume and less frequency, yeah. more intensity. And he said over the last 10 years, he's pretty much added to mm. every lift, every yeah. time. He says maybe like one every 100 I'll miss. And, yeah. and I've, you know, he's just got better and better by doing less. Yeah. And, and I also had a guy um, on called Marcel who was a sort of amateur semi-pro bodybuilder. Mm. And he, his training looked the same. He was yeah. like one or two heavy sets yeah. and 10 days rest and then come back to it again and yeah. i think especially you know as we get older the recovery and the volume and the wear and tear on joints yeah. and stuff it's, it's not there yeah right? recovery is all important it's, it's 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 like the what's it called the wild the 531 system as well where you is you go through a cycle and you've got like um you lift heavy 
um, for like a week and then, you know, you got deload weeks and stuff like that as well. It's it's all, all around the same kind of, the, the similar kind of pattern, you know. Yeah. And that, I think that includes the um, squat, bench, um, uh, military press and deadlift. It, it incorporates those four and then you, everything that you do around that is like, you know, you can do flies and stuff like that and that's all to do with kind of like building blocks for the rest of the lifts, you know. Um, and it's 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 really good system. Um, it's been there for years and it's like, you know, it's a really good building block. But I think as you get older, there's, that changes, with me anyway, that that changed a little, a little bit. You know what I mean? No, I can't, dead, can't deadlift 210 anymore. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ, I'll, I'll kill myself. Mm. Um, but also my um, body mechanics allowed me to do that because I've got long limbs. So I was able to do that. Um, but yeah, it's, um, but I wasn't able, you know, I was able to squat heavy, but not squat as heavy as people with different body types and stuff like that, yeah, etc. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's very, I think the older that you get is the more you pay closer attention to what your body's telling you and you should, you know, um, than what do you call it? It was before. It's like, oh, because my mate's doing it, I'm gonna do it. You know, which is a lot. Of, it's a lot of time, and yeah. it's a lot of the time in jiu-jitsu as well. Yeah. You know, like for instance, there's one of the things that I tell guys who, you know, like 100 kilos plus in jiu-jitsu, or even 95 kilos plus in jiu-jitsu, who come and train, is don't be frightened of your body weight. You you told you big, you this. Oh, you're only doing it because you're what do you call it? Because you're you know. 100 kilos blah 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 if you want 100 kilos you never do that it's like yeah but you are 100 kilos so what the hell you know it's, it's, it's just do it it's like if the fact that you know if you're complaining at me because I'm big then I should complain at you because you're tiny your genetics sucks that's <laughs> mine so uh, I always tell guys that are bigger hey don't be frightened of your body right use your body right and it'll be easier for you to to learn and to apply techniques you know Obviously, don't roll with people like 70 kilos, 50 kilos or whatever. Roll with people that's your body type. And then, boom. And then you'll get into much, you get to that space a lot more quicker rather than being frightened of stuff. That's one of the worst things in the world, actually, is when you see students who are frightened to um, do stuff because another student has gone, oh, you're this or you're that. You know, you're you know, you roll too hard or whatever, you know. So, uh, you know, it's for the coach to manage that as well. And that's that's why I like the small groups because I can say, he wants to go over there. And I go, no, you're not going over there. Why? Well, because you're 70 kilos and the, all these guys are 95 up. What would happen is that you're going to get squashed. You're not technically well adapted enough to deal with that weight category. Okay? Stay there until you actually get to that point. Okay and then they understand it and then you can actually manage them over time as they get better and better and better and better and better to the point where boom, they're able to actually go in the heavier group and start to fight like they're fighting the absolutes and when they compete mm, compete in the absolutes now because now you know how that feels from both sides from your side and their side as well still still a, a big ask when you're light Oh yeah, doing like absolutes or whatever with the with the oh, yeah. guys. But you have to experience that. Yeah. When I when I competed, I always did the absolutes, and it's um, I enjoyed it because it's just 
it's just it's just different. You, I've I've found that you know a lot of the time I think um, that I found with uh, students not wanting to do absolute division is that they think that the person that they're going to go against is that much stronger. Is that when you actually what you'd find is that some of your attributes is an is an advantage against either bigger people or smaller people, and you don't get to. You will never get to do that in competition unless you actually go into the absolutes and see what that's like. And you'd be surprised. And it's always, oh, oh man, I didn't think that was going to happen. And they always are surprised. You know? Absolute yeah, I mean, division is good. In a, in a fight, it's a fight, isn't it? You don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think one of the things, that when um, it was a f the first Europeans we did, and um, I was purple belt. And I think one of the things that I actually really missed, actually. So, actually, it's a funny story. So, the weight category, um, did the weight category the day before. And then I, I, I did the biggest schoolboy error. Biggest schoolboy error. And that was uh, after you finished your weight category that day, um, going out in the night, <laughs> having a drink and stuff like that. <laughs> I was a purple belt at the time. <laughs> and... Um, I think actually it was uh, me, Andy Roberts, and all that lot. And, so, and uh, I remember the, what do you call it, the the morning, and I didn't realize actually, my name got called out as the first person, the first bout of the match. I was, I was ruined. I was absolutely ruined. Absolutely ruined. And... Um, <laughs> Oh mate, it's like fighting this guy. I had no energy, nothing. Yep, I was effectively hungover. Like hungover, man. It's like I should not be here. I think it's actually. I think it's probably only only time I've been subbed in competition. Caught me in an armbar. It was like about ten seconds to go. I remember. I think it's Andy Roberts, Ro uh, Roger Brookin. That was there. And it's like, oh mate, this is awful. And I remember rehydrating the whole day. And because uh, all the other guys were competing as well, it's just like they're supporting them and stuff. And uh, it was, they had, and I wished, I wish IBJJF would bring this back because it was really good. It's one thing competing for your team, but nothing beats competing for your country. You know, competing for your country is totally different. And, um, and it brings out something that's, you know, it eliminates like the whole team aspect thing, you know, and it's yeah. I, I, that's the one thing in, in jujitsu. I think we should we should have, and I I don't think the mentality of jujitsu is ready for that yet. But it's closer than it's ever been before. It's a little bit like with a. I just watched this morning the quintet. Yes, yes, yes. A little bit like oh, that was that was good actually. Um, but yeah. So then we did. Um, they created a teams at the end because of the first Europeans there wasn't enough competitors and stuff like that so we had it was a purple belt team and we had team Europe versus team Poland team uh, I think Portugal and team Brazil and um, yeah so then uh, who was in that team me I think Nick Brooks Andy Roberts uh, Helio I can't remember the fifth person was anyway I can't think it's the guy that beat me, didn't I? <laughs> was this a day later? No, this is at the end evening. of the day. Oh, 
mate. It was just so satisfying. I beat him on points, but it was, it was so satisfying. I was like, oh, it was so good. But it was just, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was just what one of one of those things is, mate. Yeah, normally yeah. you would have to wait six months or a year, whatever, maybe yeah, to fight yeah, the guy again, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, to yeah, get it yeah, back yeah, off yeah, to yeah. a few hours. Is yeah, but it's funny. It was in that it was, you know, it's like all these people from like different academies and stuff like that. It's kind of all came together, and it was, it was, it was good. It's very, it's very, very, very good. Very, very good. It's, it's, you know, it was the first one, and it had so much, you know, so much behind it. You know, yeah. So, how long have you been teaching? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Was, was King's Cross, was that your first place that you were teaching? As as Inglorious Grapplers? No. Is, uh, we opened up in um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Bethlehem Green in 20, 2010. Yeah, 2010. And actually what happened is, because is, I stopped teaching in 2009, and you know, fought MMA a couple of times and stuff like that. I was going through like a Anas Horribilis that year, uh, loads of stuff going on. And then um, uh, I met my now wife at that time as well. And um, two of my good friends, uh, Sullivan Mood and Michael Johnson, we were just tr training um, in in East London in uh, Bill Judd's place. And I had no interest in getting back into jiu-jitsu, teaching jiu-jitsu. Absolutely no interest. I just like, you know, there's loads of stuff that happened happened in jiu-jitsu over the last, the last, the past two years, two, three years at that point. I was like, you know what, to hell with this, fuck this. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, um, but then Sully goes, mate, because you've got to teach. He goes, you can't stop teaching, you've got to teach. He goes, like, you've got all this knowledge in your head, all this stuff, all this bits and pieces and, and this he goes there's so many people that would you know who who would benefit from it and and he's a very sensible guy so <laughs> honestly um and yeah and it was actually you know him that got me back into teaching i gave him his brown belt the other day because he, he had to have time off because he got injured and stuff like that but it's, yeah it's it's yeah you know is one one of the i just said mate I wish it was black, but it's got to be brown. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's it's one one of those belts that you know, if it wasn't because of him, I wouldn't be here. So, yeah. Amazing. So that was Bethnal Green. Yeah, that's Bethnal Green. And then, then we, did you went to Kings Cross after that. Um, we went to a place in Hoxton. Oh, okay. And then I went to Kings Cross. Yeah, yeah. And now you're in Hackney. No, we're in Moorgate. Moorgate, Liverpool Street. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. have you got a. Are you just like leasing something down there or you bought something? No, 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 no. It's actually um, um, the whole team just moved there. But my wife is the ops director of the whole company. So, yeah, so it's, it's a members club. Yeah, which allows, which is really good because it's like we can, I can pick and choose who I want on the mat. I don't have to accept somebody because I've got to put the lights on or stuff like that. Da, 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 da. They have to fit right, not only for jiu-jitsu, but for the club as well, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, um, it, I don't want it to sound like um, elitist or anything like that, but it's very, very important. The dynamic of the group is very important. I learned the hard way in King's Cross how if you allow 
certain elements or certain aspects or certain things to happen on the mat and you know the lunatics will take over the asylum and then you lose control and it doesn't become that learning environment as it should be what happens then then it becomes this whole mishmash of of just stuff and just you know you're dealing with you're dealing with things that you shouldn't be dealing with you're discussing things that's not jujitsu. That's not about benefit. That is not, you know. Um, so, I guess nah, I'm not going to have that anymore because it takes away from you as an individual. So, what I've done is made sure that here, where we are at the present moment, time is is you know and we're going to be here for, for as long as possible. Is is that place where it's a safe space? Um, well, I'm not here to deal with your problems. Your problems, I'm giving you tools to allow you to deal with those. But if it gets to a point that you need help, we're here to back you up. And I mean, we are here to back you up as a group. You know? So, yeah. that's And it's, it's effective, man. It's super, super effective. And I've got a little council of people that, you know... Hey, I'm not a dictatorship. I've gone like to them and goes, "Hey guys, da 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 da." This person is saying, "You know this person already." Da da da. You know they want to come and train. Yes or no? And I've gone to them. Yes or no? But it's up to you lot, because at the end of the day, it really doesn't affect me. At that point, they're coming to the gym. It affects me after the mess is totally screwed up, and then I've got to deal with it. But if it affects, it affects you first. Mm. So if that person comes down and that person's not right for, for you guys, and you think is they're not going to be right for you guys, say no, and I'll I'll boom I'll back you up, and I've had to do that I've have, I have to done that I've done it twice. It's like you know what nah, nah, yeah, it, I mean, mate, you know you know you know I can't I can't have you I can't have you down here. Ibby's Ibby's had the same thing at mm. resistance. Yeah, because obviously after um, Mill Hill as it was kind of shut down. Yeah. There was a lot of people there. I mean, there was, I don't know how many members Nick had, maybe like 150, mm. 200 sort of, you know, on and off the mats. And then, and everyone needed to find like another home yeah. to go to. So obviously yeah. Ed's up the road now, yeah. Ibby's up the road here. Um, people sort of sp split up and, and found another club. But, you know, Ibby's said to me, he's had a few people who've said, oh, I'm going to come down and train. And he said, listen, you know, yeah. don't think you're really right for the, for the gym. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really important because you would do that with anything else in your life, right? Absolutely. It's kind of like just because it's a jiu-jitsu club, yeah. it's really, you know, you, you kind of look after it the same way as you look after everything else. You don't yeah. go on holiday with people you don't want to go on holiday with. You exactly. don't have dinner with people you don't want to have dinner with. Yeah. Don't let them hang out with your kids, whatever. It's exactly. The, it's the same thing, right? Because mm -hmm. especially if, you, if, you, if it's kind of your club in inverted commas, you know, People are looking to you to yeah. to kind of um, create the environment, mm -hmm. create a nice a nice place to train. So you got a commercial gym there, like a gym gym. Yeah, yeah. Restaurant. Yeah, Did there's um, it's it's a members club. So there's got there's a, a restaurant. Um, there's um, bar, meeting rooms. Um, there's working space. There's. A, you know, there's cafe there's a yeah so yeah, so can gym. you can you join 
just as a, like a jiu-jitsu you can thing. just you can join just a gym yeah and with your membership you get jiu-jitsu tie boxing boxing yoga for use of the whole gym gym's fully kitted out but etc steam room whatever um yeah laundry service as well <laughs> yeah yeah monthly lockers yeah you name it or you can join the whole club okay and the club consists of two premises as well so there's bank as well which has a cinema pool tables etc meeting rooms as well yeah 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 oh, it's 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 good it's very good i i don't think i can go back to teaching anything for arch <laughs> yeah so how did how did you progress then from like a jiu jitsu mat mm. to to this was it did you kind of add stuff each place you No, it's just or? been just been lucky with contacts uh contacts and the the last was um my missus boss which own you know she own, he owns he owns eight club so and it was that was it right. that was it yeah yeah just 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 like and how, how long have you been there then? uh been there since uh pandemic so that's when they was to start to build well they were building End it of yeah 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 20 21 2021 20, yeah yeah 21 so it's been yeah it's been it's been good it's been very 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 good it's it's funny because the the guys have come over from from king's cross and stuff that came over they're, they're it's like you lot are spoiled now you like just like you know <laughs> you come in and some and somebody goes hey sir thank you very much yes madam da, 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 da. here's your two towels blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah that's a different uh, <laughs> different experience like, oh where's the moisturizer it's like dude what do you mean where's the moisturizer <laughs> do you have any photos up of the old premises like you know like down, no, the, down no. the coal mines those kind no. of pictures <laughs> yeah yeah it has to be forgotten it's going to be pushed in the past but no it's and it, it's it's you know, it's um, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely thankful and absolutely grateful because you know I know it's not normal. It's not normal. Sounds fantastic. It's not normal, but I'm absolutely grateful. Absolutely grateful for Eight Club. Absolutely grateful for you know all my students. Absolutely grateful for everybody who who is with us and who isn't with us because you know you know as much as you know yes yeah, you know relationships split and stuff like that etc they are still part of what my journey was and what everybody else's journey was as well so thank you very much and you know you are still you know it's st still in our minds still in our thoughts and stuff like that and you know wish everybody the very best basically life's too short to be having this like you that this and that but, but, but it's too short man it's too short you know the inevitability of relationships splitting and stuff like that you know it's 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 normal you know when when i left rogers and stuff like that and you know other people left other gyms and rogers and da, 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 it's just normal i just think um jiu-jitsu hasn't it's i think it's starting to deal with it now a little bit better but it hasn't dealt with the normality of academies splitting or academies breaking up or whatever you know, it always boils down to bloody money, though. You know, but I think I think the root of all evil. <laughs> other martial arts had had similar problems. Oh, because yeah. I remember even my my old kung fu club. Mm. Uh, at some point, the maybe the four or five senior black belts left yeah. the main thing and yeah. went and two of them went off and started one thing another guy went off and started another one mm. i think it's a bit like growing up in a family right yeah you can't stay at home forever no you can't i mean some people 
do. That's okay. Yeah. You know, some people, they're 50, they're still sitting home with mum. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of my good friends, Steph, <laughs> shout out. But, um, you know, most people, you get to a certain point and you're mm. like, okay, I need to go out into the world myself yeah. and make my own family in the inverted commas. Mm. I guess it's the same thing. So, so still on the on the on the jujitsu subject. Mm -hmm. um, any good advice for people who are starting out, mm. and also any good advice for people who are training who are older? Because I'm I'm older, so I always <laughs> want good advice for someone who's who's older. But also, um, you know, I, I I went off of Facebook a few years ago. I was like, fuck Facebook. Good I, lad. I watched the um, seen the. Uh, it called the social network yeah 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 yeah. but then there was there was another documentary about how the algorithm kind of hooks you in and i watched uh, it and i was like get rid of facebook <laughs> i didn't delete it yeah but i came off it i was like yeah. no facebook and then when i started doing the podcast yeah i was like you know what i need to just have it so i can share my instagram posts to facebook so i sort of went back to that's facebook. what i use facebook for but there's there's bjj over 40s, mm -hmm. big group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a 50 and up BJJ, yeah. pretty big group. Yeah. And I just, you know, quite recently I went back on there and I'm just kind of looking through and then, you know, this, I'm 55, just got my first stripe on my white belt. Yeah. I never thought this would happen, quite amazing, whatever. So there's, there's, I think there's a lot of people coming to jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. when they're older. Yeah. But also, you know, like people that you've mentioned, trained a bit when you're younger you stop you come back to yeah. it, you're 45 or 55 yeah. or 65 or yeah. whatever so having trained for a long time and mm. having coached people for a long time these sorts of things have you got any sort of real insights for if you're starting out these are mistakes these are things you should be doing and also as an older it's, athlete it's a bit it's a bit hard because it's not generic the reason being is that um the number one thing that will have will affect you either your progress is your environment um your environment is is the most important thing where you where you train um and then secondly is how much time um you're able to put into into that and then once those two things are settled then it's you know it's about just the you know finding that rhythm and enjoying it you know, um, the main thing is in, is enjoying it, because, and don't put enough, don't put pressure on yourself. Yeah, that's the one thing. Um, putting pressure on yourself will that will make you make mistakes, and putting pressure on yourself was all will also kind of like bring in that ego aspect, which you don't want, because that ego aspect stops you from, you know, if somebody's passing your side control, they're passing your side control. I'm sorry, if somebody's passing your guard, they're passing your guard. But the most important thing about that is finding out how they pass your guard and being able to observe how they pass your guard and then being able to learn how they pass your guard, then being able to effectively stop that happening. But you can't get to that point unless actually you just, you're just a relaxed individual and just like looking and you, you can observe. But if you're trying to battle it the whole time you're not going to see it you know and getting to that point is you know getting to that point takes a few uh, variables good training partners good atmosphere on the mat you know what i mean relaxed atmosphere on the mat no ego having a laugh when somebody passes your guard you just laugh just like ah oh, mate i can't believe you did that etc and that kind of attitude 
changes absolutely the way that you, 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 you progress. You know, if you're stressed out in an environment the whole time, um, you, won't, you won't learn. You, you, what will happen? Actually, you will learn, but you won't be able to implement what you want to learn. So you know, a, a good example is that I know, I, I know a few athletes like this, high-level guys, um, in the, um, on the mat, training, stuff like training for them, whatever, they're, they're cool if they're training for a lower grade. When they go to training for a higher grade, they get all tense and stuff like that, and da da da, -da. And then, you know, their guy gets passed or whatever, and they get frustrated. Ah, like, oh, fuck's sake, da, da 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 And then you see them compete, but their game hasn't progressed from the last five years to now. So they do the same thing, up and boom, 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 and without any any progressions because they fall back into that um, that safe zone the whole time, you know. Yeah, it's a little bit um, maybe down to like having the correct intention. So the intention of I want to win, or the mm. intention of I want to learn something, they they yeah. they're, they're very different kind of. Um, yeah experiences yeah. for you you know on on the one you're, you're you are you you default to you like what's my yeah. a game every time right if i get this grip i'm good so yeah. i have to get that grip and then if this guy goes here's a problem so i never let him go there rather than mm. what happens if i don't get that grip yeah or what happens if he does go yeah. there then you yeah. know you're, you're you're kind of approaching it, it com completely different so drill drills like like you know defense drills are really important because they, they 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 get you to that space very quickly um, of being able to not not care, but being able to evaluate your situation a little bit more. Like, you know, somebody attacking your back, somebody in side control, somebody to mount on you, somebody's got an armbar on you, somebody, you know, somebody's got a footlock on you, doing 50-50 drills, you know, where somebody actually has a grip on you first and then you've got to kind of defend, etc. Those get you to that space of, okay, you know, let me see, let me get this work, da -da -da -da. does this work, does this doesn't work, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then those are really, really, very, very, really, really important. And it's having everybody comfortable enough to to be able to like, okay, he's got my back. Oh, let's check me out again for the 50th time. Let's go again. <laughs> oh, 51, 52, 53. Oh, I've escaped. Boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ah, passing. I've got them. So, yeah, you know, that, those are really, really, really important. They smash the ego out of you. That's one of the things from types of training from back in the day that just so so important so so important you know what i mean being being the nail yeah learning to be the nail you know what i mean but i think most people you 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 can't not be regardless of what you think is going to happen when you yeah. come in there you you realize pretty i mean i think that's why there's often quite a high rate of attrition because mm. People are like, man, I just, I'm just getting my ass handed to me like yeah. every single time. But it's like that's that's the journey, right? Yeah, but just you know, being a nail in a, a um, equal situation like sparring is one thing. Being the nail when you actually you're in the deficit, like somebody's got your back, and okay, boom, let's go. Yeah, they're two totally because you've made the conscious decision of wanting to be the nail rather than actually it's been forced and forced upon you. Yes. You know, you've just gone, you know what, I'm going to be the nail today. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be that guy who gets absolutely just fucking ruined today and I'm going to learn from it 
and that is a massive thing. Yeah. You know, and once you reach that point, it's like, okay, all right, now, now, now I get it. Now yeah. I go. So, so, so for sort of beginners, lower grades, that you would say is probably one of the most important is is just to to accept that accept that fact that is going to happen. Yeah. And then kind of you know find you know find that partner find that person that group that academy whatever that's going to allow you to develop from you know develop safely and securely from from that position and enjoy it enjoy it it's, you can't do it you can't can't do any of this unless you enjoy it you know what i mean you have to enjoy it you literally just have to super super enjoy it and know? and as a as an aging older athlete anything different to that um not really, so because you, you're you are you are coming in you're coming in with the same, probably just, just more ingrained, kind of like you know insecurities and stuff like that as well, you know. Um, but the fact that you've, you've the fact that you've made that decision to come onto the mat is is a big is is good enough as it is already. You're there. You've turned up. Just turn up again, and then just keep turning up, and then just keep turning up, just keep turning up, and you know before you know it. You'll progress, you know. You'll super. Oh, mate, I, I just love jujitsu for it. I just seeing all groups, ages, sexes, sizes, boom, just coming and and for the first time training and then just developing and developing and developing. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So it's yeah. quite a magical practice environment. Yeah. I don't know now if if I if I if I more enjoy seeing beginners develop quickly or whether it's a higher grade develop quickly. I don't know now. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. So s switching it then a little bit mm -hmm. from jiu-jitsu to MMA. Yeah. So you, did you have a couple of fights? Yeah, I had a couple of fights. I wish so, I did more. Yeah? I wish I did more, yeah. Just didn't have the time. Because you were getting old or you were getting busy? No, I was getting busy. Getting busy, getting getting busy with life and, and stuff like that. And I was going through a massive change at the time. But yeah, wish I had more. Which had more enjoyed it. What what's the what's the difference between training uh, BJJ and training MMA in terms of kind of mindset and you, do you, do you have a different kind of uh, approach to it or it's still just a um, combat? Sport? And I can only talk about for me. Yeah. Um, you know, people might talk. You know, they'll talk different about themselves. For me, um, because my background is striking anyway. For me, it was like yeah. yeah. I like to fight anyway. I've got a little bit of a nasty streak that doesn't come out very often, but I've got a nasty streak in me. Um, but yeah, yeah, and just enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Enjoy hitting people. Enjoy it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like it. So those, your your fights, w w was it more striking or did you end up grappling? Um, I bit, wanted to strike both? more, end up grappling. <laughs> so um, so is that that's why you wish you'd had more because you've, you've still got people you want to hit? Yeah, just, I just want—I just wanted to try stuff. It, it, for me, it's not. It's yeah, I enjoy hitting people, but it wasn't about the enjoyment of hitting people. It was more about the the being able to apply something that you've learned. Um, I remember, um, was it? It was that year, wasn't it? So I used to do that year. I used to do my striking app at um, Kettle's Gym with Alan Kettle, and. Um, and uh, it's quite a few of us that got together. Tom Watson, um, 
and uh, Alan used to have like guys like Jimmy Mano were training and stuff like that up there and you know just, just doing tie box and stuff and it was great it's good it's like it's a spa on a Sunday on a Thursday and stuff like that and we used to you know um, yeah we used to go and just, just train in a day because Tom had fights and stuff like that and it's the corner Tom as well and um, yeah we always used to train together it was it's kind of it's good it's you know it's good times very 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 good times and um, yeah and yeah the, the training for it was it was, you know, I think then, um, as opposed to now, because I always hear like, oh, we're in a training camp and stuff like that, and and working with um, uh, MMA, um, I see guys like blow up in between fights and stuff like that, and I I think, oh, mate, it's like obviously it's the kind of like they have an off season and stuff like that. I know boxing goes through that as well, um, but I was, you know. I walked around at 80 kilos and fought at 7.7. But the cut wasn't too hard for me or anything like that, you know. Um, but yeah, it was just, just good, just sparring and stuff like that. But I know, and I think that's one of the things that why, you know, is I haven't done jiu-jitsu competition um, because I know what I expect of myself, preparation, in, in with regards to preparation to do, in order to reach that level and to be successful at that level. And if I don't have the time to do it, um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not gonna do it. Um, so yeah, but those, those, times were, those times were good. Those times were good. There was, um, there was a famous Thai fighter called Anouat, Anouat and his, um, Alan brought over his, his coach for three months um, from Thailand to teach at the gym and stuff like that and we were down there all the time. Fuck, you know, he was brutal, brutal. But I think all the guys that fought while he was down there, you know, all won like spectacularly. And it was, it was, yeah, it was good. It's really, really, really good. Very, very, very good. And it's, it's funny because that's like, you know, that's for me, that's kind of almost like how a benchmark of of a gym, the the mindset should be. It was fun. You're getting punched in the face and stuff like that, but it was it was fun, you know, loads of wrestling boom, but it was fun. It was fun all the time, you know. Getting brutalized, you know, it's like boom, taking for condition and stuff like that. But it was fun. Um yeah, and yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, there's gotta there's gotta be enjoyment. So how did you get involved with Bellator? You are you the matchmaker? Um, I'm the European matchmaker and do some stuff in the US, but officially I'm not allowed to talk about work. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But I got involved in in the whole industry of MMA. Um, so I I used to be a creative director before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's like graphic design and stuff like that, and then uh, became a creative director. And then in 2009, um, at about 98, I, sorry, not 98, 2008, I kind of like, you know, did freelance a little bit more and stuff like that. I worked for a few agencies, etc. And then 2009, um, I, oh, 2009, it's kind of like, I told you, yeah, that whole year was just all messed up. But 2009, I was cornering, um, I was cornering Tom, actually. And it was at a show called um, uh, Bama. 
was it 2009? Yeah, 2009. Can't remember. I need to look up. 2009, 2010. 2009. Yeah, 2009. Um, and then um, what happened was it was by the it's a place called the Room by the River. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, by the South Bank, and it was like a tent and stuff like that, and blah blah blah. And anyway, all the optics was all bloody wrong. Like you know, the lights were too low for them uh, for the cage area and stuff like that. So it just it got very slippery and stuff like that. And the change rooms were all inadequate and stuff like that. And then I met um, it was the producer's um, uh, brother, Steve. I've known him a little while, and he because uh, I used to teach him jiu-jitsu at Rogers, and because um, I teach at Rogers as well. So um, he goes, oh, what are you doing? I goes, I'm calling Tom, what the fuck are you doing there? He goes, oh, my, my brother's production company does this and stuff like that. I goes, oh, oh, oh. I goes, mate, I goes, this is a fucking mess. Because I used to run the jiu-jitsu tournaments as well. <laughs> yeah, before. And so um, I knew what's kind of needed and I knew all the other people from MMA, etc. and stuff. And I goes, this is a fucking mess. He goes, oh yeah, this goes, it's a fucking nightmare. And he goes, come into the office on... Um, Monday and let's have a chat and stuff like that. So I went to the office and then, yeah, they were doing Bama 2 and I goes, you need this, this, this and this and I get these people and I go in like Mark Goddard and all that to referee and all that stuff, change all the staff. Um, what do you call it? Spoke to uh, James from GMAT, got a new cage and stuff like that and yeah, I think the second one we did at the Roundhouse and uh, yeah, and then it went da 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 with them for nine years and then um joined Bellator. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's um it's it's interesting because it's it's, it's a very niche job. There's not many people on the planet that does it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's um So are you are you without without sort of you know giving any details, are you kind of out and about at other clubs and academies and looking at not not so much because since like I think I think with the internet um, Insta and everything like that. People just love to showboat. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's it's with everything. It's the same like when I used to run jiu-jitsu tournaments, you know, it's like if you had to put a super fight together, how's this guy, how's this guy, how's he training and you've got preferred partners and, and people that you speak to that will give you the information that you want. It's exactly the same way. Um, and yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing, man. And there's some good people in it. And it's an industry that gets very much in misunderstood, especially from the promotion side of stuff, um, because there is the not the same amount of communication in in the line in the middle. So if you understand, so it's it's similar like banking and major population banking thinks a different way and stuff like that, and it goes a certain way where the major population thinks that it's something totally different of what it is when it's not. So. Yeah, MMA industry is is is, is that way, you know. Well, there's, there's some really really nice people, man, in it, and people who give their heart and soul to to um, to the industry, you know, from you know promoters to uh, logistics staff to operational staff to referees to judges. To, uh, you know, it, it's a it is it's an industry built from passion. That's a hundred percent. There's not one person that I say I've met within the industry who well there's a few actually <laughs> but there's you know from from the core who actually you know who want to see it develop and want to see it become and sustain at that that level that it is you know yeah I mean it's a, it's a new um sport isn't it, it didn't exist really 
20 years ago. Yeah, well, yeah, 30, 30 years. Um, but, yeah, and I think it's steep, it's steep incline has had negatives, but also, you know, the the positives outweigh the negatives in, in a very, very, very big way. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So something that we were talking about a, a couple of weeks ago on... A an episode was the the kind of uh, Jake Paul phenomenon mm-hmm. of fighters basically doing the whole thing themselves, start a production yeah. company, yeah. you know, build a profile with online stuff or whatever, get someone else who's got a name and kind of put yeah. on the, the yeah. fight together. Do you think that's something that we're going to see more of, or do you think that it's too difficult for most people to to, to put the whole thing on themselves? It's too difficult to it's it's too difficult to put it on. It's t- it's way too difficult to put it on. Um, Jake and Logan Paul, you have to understand, they're YouTubers, so they already had their market already. Mm. They already had the audience. They built their audience from something else, and then brought that audience along. Um, not many people can do that. Not many people can do that. Um, but I I think. There, there is this uh, YouTube boxing combat thing that's happening at, currently at the moment. Um, whether sustainable or not, I, I don't think so because I think um, people's um, attention span is extremely short for s- certain things. Um, I think what needs to happen is, you know, I think that boxing to have a an, another injection of superstars which the superstars that we know we know you have to understand they're from like 2012 you know they're years years down the line now um so it needs a a, a new a new injection of stars that's that's what definitely what it needs you know um yeah i do not know what's going to happen we can't tell what's going to happen you know so but i i, I wish that you know the the pugilistic sports kind of like get their shit together basically and actually kind of get back to that golden age of Hearns, Hagler, Duran. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> no, I think... won't be. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you, you can't, you you can't, can't nah, go nah. back there again. The time you? machine. <laughs> yeah, because there's too much... There's, there's too many things grabbing people's attention everywhere. Yes, you know yes. that was back in the days when, if like if it was going to be on, it was going to be on ITV. Yes, or if at, you didn't have a TV, you listen to the radio. Yeah, or you yeah. go to the pub or something. Yeah. They would be showing it, yeah. and you know it's on at eight, yeah. and there's no pause it or stream mm-hmm. it later or whatever. Yeah. You know, you it, you know it had that kind of um, I don't know. It's like when when you're watching the Olympics now, or you're yeah. watching you know something that's kind of in real time. Yeah, that it's a moment in history. Because everyone saw it at the same time, yeah. right? Whereas yeah. now it's kind of... I mean, we never stay up and watch MMA that's on mm. overnight. No. We just watch it the next day. Watch it the next day. Um, I was speaking to one of my friends recently who actually um, who runs events um, and does a shitload of events. And a few of the partners that he has, they were having troubles with, um, you know, just filling up arenas, etc. And um, he just said, he goes, this this summer has been insane. Like for him, work-wise, it's been amazing. But it's just festivals, this happening, blah, happening, da, 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 happening. And there's so much going on. It's like, it's, he said, it's, it's just, like he doesn't have enough, um, you know, enough, enough staff or, you know, enough 
things to, to be able to kind of like effectively make these things happen mm. you know and you know he goes a few of his mates as well they, they're running events and stuff and he's going they're running out of DJs <laughs> you know I mean? it's like when has that ever happened before you know I, I think I mean the, the music industry I'm, I'm in no way an expert but I think mm. the music industry I mean really that's where they make the money now right is, is a, mm. doing a tour Mm. Because the music itself, people are just streaming yeah. it. It's on YouTube or Spotify. You know, you, the, the think the revenue where you used to sell albums and CDs and whatever yeah. is, is not there. But people, you know, go will go to a concert and pay 150 mm. quid, 200 quid for a ticket. But I think also it's probably on the back of the, I will always call it a scandemic, mm. with the lockdowns mm. where people were kind of denied their freedom effectively and now it's like you can go somewhere mm. and see something and be yeah. with other people and experience it together i think that's that that maybe is driving people to i think that's yeah that's a major driver yeah um but also i think in turn also i think that because it's a it's a major driver for like um uh, acts or whatever who weren't able to tour and stuff like during the time are now able to tour but also I think that you've got the other side of it it's also for promoters it's also a kind of money making thing as well and it's like okay we're going to flood it and you've got those two things coming together at this point in time you know um, I think it's going to level out but I just think also you know quality is going to drop of of certain you know certain festivals certain events the qualities are going to drop but you've got other events this quality is really high but they're getting overshadowed because you know because of all this other noise that is going on you know yeah the you know the biggest rival for probably like a boxing show isn't another boxing show it's probably like glastonbury or it's a, you know it's something that's totally unrelated something that's going to take somebody else's attention off who normally likes boxing but it's you know going to be best of all they can go to festival with the kids rather than actually watching a boxing match or watching an mma fight so that's a lot of that is what's been going on you know this this summer um yeah so the yeah. fight for people's attention not just online yeah. but to physically yeah, get to them physically somewhere to get them somewhere and do stuff you know so yeah it's um it's it's, it's been interesting it's been very very interesting and it, it's it's probably like a little bit of a tangent but do you see the rise of AI changing any of this? Stuff? John Connor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Skynet. Well, because I think in terms of like um, pre pre recorded stuff like mm. movies, yeah, this is going to change. Even even music, because you can you can tell your AI, hey, someone said the specific example the other week, like I want a Beatles song about mm. jiu-jitsu and I want yeah. me in it. Yeah. And then it's going to go, here you go, mate. Yeah. And it, it will sound yeah. like they wrote it and they sung it and you're in it and you love well, I it. Think, I, think, I, think, I think that's not the... That's not the scary bit. The scary bit is, and I don't like using the word scary, but... The concerning. the concerning aspect of it is not that. The concerning aspect of it is you ringing up a business and there's no, uh, not a human being at the end of the phone answering your questions. That's a job that's gone. It's like what happened with Sainsbury's in the supermarkets recently, the self-checkouts, you know, or like if you go back 
10 years, um, you know, go to the supermarket and somebody else at the end packing your bags. It's a job gone. Hmm. You know what I mean? And now self-checkout. This job's gone. You know, so it's, you know, where do all these people go now for for work and stuff like that? So it's, and also because, you know, I said this at the beginning, you follow, you know, if you want to know what's happening, follow the money. It's because it's going to be cost effective because you don't have to pay anyone. You don't have to pay the pension. You don't have to, you know what I mean? You don't have to pay the holiday. You know, you don't have to pay the the kids kitty vouchers because their kitty goes to school and stuff like that you don't as a business you don't have to invest in it so as much as it's 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 a great you know revolution it's really good and it shows human ingenuity the flip side of it is actually what it's doing from a moralistic point of view it's and you know i'm not saying it can i'm saying it will because it is happening that that aspect of it is happening is you know it's actually kind of destroying a bit of our our culture and the fabric of society in a certain way, you know. Um, people are consuming more, and people are getting paid less, and then you're taking out a uh, a job that people can do in order to, you know, you want people to consume more, yeah, okay. You want people to do this, you want people to do that, okay. You know, but I'm gonna not pay you as much, and then we. On top of that, we're going to take out a a job that's that you can do that now AI does. So it's it's narrowing the band down so so much. Yeah, I mean this you know? will this will, will will lean towards UBI, right? Universal Basic Income, where everybody just gets a little a little something stipend every yeah, month. I, I don't know. I I, I seriously but don't what, know. I know if you're a plumber. <laughs> an electrician well, so, so this is you're going to be fine <laughs> yeah this, this, this is interesting isn't it because all the, right. all the sort of traditionally go to university and become an accountant or yeah. become these are the jobs that are easy to get rid of yeah. all the all the kind of white collar office jobs mm. this AI will, will destroy all of those within six months you know the, even mm. even um, Google's got I, I forget the name of it but Google's got a medical AI at the moment right that outscores every doctor on earth at like diagnosis treatment plans and everything yeah and on how well it communicates to the patient <laughs> so it's not really hard that one though is it <laughs> but exactly exactly but you you would kind of think oh well you know no one's going to want to talk to a robot bro but it's like actually, it's it scores higher on empathy yeah. than the than the doctor does, yeah. and it does a better job with the diagnosis. I think people just want to be heard, so it could it could be actually saying anything, and you know what I mean, as long as there's somebody at the end of the phone. Yeah, I mean they've 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 got these. I think they've removed from like Play Store and Android mm. and some of these chatbots because yeah. people were just becoming infatuated with talking to their virtual girlfriend friend. Right, yeah. They've had to pull them out of the. Play Store because they're a little bit kind of um, they don't they, they don't really have any filters. So if you right. start talking to it about you want to blow something up, it's like, well, actually, you know what? If fertilizer is a good way to, <laughs> yeah, and they've had to pull them out because they, they, people just programmed them and yeah. let it go. Yeah, let it let yeah. it let it learn. Yeah, I think they had to take there was an AI maybe last year they had to take offline because it suddenly went like really racist and really misogynistic. <laughs> they, people were interacting with it and then it just started cussing everybody and oh, they were like, we man. need to kill it. 
Oh, and that man. happened within a, like six months. It just decided, right, fuck this. I'm just. But it's it's yeah. It, it, it did what what took us you know two hundred thousand yeah, years yeah, to do it. Did it in six yeah. months. Like, yeah. It's 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 worrying in that. What do you call it? You know, it's like you know. Yeah, it's like a media. Yeah, it's like a big kind of almost like you know, programmable. It's crazy uh, as well because you, I mean, again, being, being a similar age, you know, watching Terminator mm. or watching, did you did you watch the Westworld when they did the TV yeah, yeah, series? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, these kinds of things and thinking, oh, wow, amazing. That That's yeah. the thinking about the possibilities and then you're like, oh, we're here. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're here. Oh, 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 I didn't realise. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, we turned up. Yeah. Yeah, we're, 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 we're really going into uh, into strange times. My, my thing is 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 this, and which is this, which is more of the kind of like worrying thing is that our power to adjust and to change those things is getting less and less. Your say in things that affect you is literally zero now. Um, you know, the days of poll tax rights and stuff are not, you know, encouraging people to go out and write and stuff like that. But it was from, a, you know, it's from a voice of discontent and the discontent was heard. And the change was made, even though it changed into what do you call it? Um, council tax. <laughs> council tax. Now, <laughs> just changed the name. It just changed the name, <laughs> but at least, at least something was done. At least you know, but it, you know, it could have gone on or whatever. But the days of actually, you know, having a voice that can hear you is is, you know, and I think that's you know, where you've got places like, you know, jujitsu. And even podcasts and stuff like that, it, you know, and that's why things like um, Instagram are so attractive because people kind of like they they start to gravitate towards the things that they feel that, that are in line with their their own thoughts and their own their own visions and stuff. So, but being able to effectively make change um, is starting to get less and less. You know, it's it's starting to get to the point where yeah. There is no drop in the ocean. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's going to a to a scary place. But I I wonder whether everything's going to fall apart before we quite get there. Because it, I mean, you meant you mm. sort of peripherally mentioned a couple of times about banking, about money. Mm. So obviously you understand some of this behind the scenes things that are going on. I mean, no, things are things are creaking at the seams. Oh, it's, it's it's simple stuff. It's like, listen, I'm not conspiracy brother, you know, brother of the cover. Have you no. seen that movie? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you're conspiracy brother. <laughs> no, no. Listen, I'm not a conspiracy theorist in any way, shape or form. All I do know is like, here's a prime example. Oh, mate, do I upset people or don't I upset people? Here's a prime example. 20 mile an hour speed zone. What is it for? When combustion engine does not effectively work good at 20 miles an hour it actually is very lean at that speed it's definitely not for safety i ride a motorbike and i've been almost knocked over more times in a 20 mile an hour zone than i ever have on a motorway going 70 100, <laughs> but you know do you understand what i mean yeah, yeah. because your, your mind's not focused at 20 mile an hour everyone's on their phones and the cars and stuff like that blah 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 blah, blah. and it's it's breeding more pollution because you're taking longer to get somewhere and you're your car isn't working well at 20 mile an hour, you know? It just isn't. 
So what is it for? Do you have a theory? I have a theory. Do you have a theory? Go on. Do you want to hear my theory? Go on. <laughs> well, it's, it's just the war against people having freedom of movement. So there's a, there's, a, there's a number of things, you know, you can look at it from many different points, but, you know, look at the ULEZ. Mm. ULEZ is the same kind of thing. Oh. It, doesn't, it doesn't improve pollution at all. Yeah. If you're driving an old thing and you still want to drive it, you just mm. pay the money. Yeah. They, um, for example, when they were doing the air quality testing, my mm -hmm. friend works at Brent Cross, when they yeah. were doing the air quality testing, they coned off two lanes of the North Circular yeah. for three weeks mm -hmm. when they did the air quality testing. What happens? everyone's queuing in one lane because they, they literally yeah, just yeah, yeah. close two lanes and they go, yeah. look, the air's bad. Yeah, yeah. We need to do it. Then they unblock it and the traffic moves again. Yeah. So you've got things like ULEZ, you've got 20 mile an hour speed mm. limits, you've got the uh, like the war on diesel cars, which mm. they told everybody to get. Now yeah, they're yeah, pushing yeah. everyone towards electric cars. Yeah. I spoke to a guy, um, patient of mine, a uh, couple of weeks ago. He's a director for some fuel group mm. european fuel group they, they do petrol stations yeah he said like electric cars are completely unsustainable oh, yeah, no. if everyone drives one there's no way the grid can charge them yeah there's not enough uh materials to make the batteries yeah. on earth for enough cars for yeah. to replace all the petrol cars mm. you can't recycle the batteries no. once they die they're super toxic they're yeah. going to pollute everything etc yeah. etc et yeah. i think eighty thousand miles as well yeah we're just getting mm. pushed towards you need to stay home. Mm. You're, you're, you know, as 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 the as the conspiracy theory yeah. thing says, you're the carbon they want to reduce. Yeah, it's us. You know, so so I yes, AI is gonna gonna disrupt everything, but I wonder whether we're gonna be farmed <laughs> off to oh, the abattoir no. first. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I, I, I think. I think it's greed. It always comes down to greed. It always, hundred percent, comes down to greed. You know what? It does, right? It does. But there's a whole industry based on what do you call it? Um, adjusting your ECU and your car and your bike for making your car and your bike run better at twenty miles an hour. Literally, a whole industry based on that. Oh, there's also one the, that's the, they, the, based around making your car run better at hundred miles an hour. Yeah, but you, you, <laughs> they don't need to come out the manufacturers in that way. They don't. If you want to save, if you want to have a better environment and clean up the air, stop making cars. Simple as. I prefer to run my bike and my car for 200,000 miles an hour, go and find some replacement parts, fix it, and run it for another 200,000 miles, 200, miles. Because I know that's much better for the environment than me buying a new car or being me buying a new bike. You know? It's insane. Just literally stop making new cars Stop bringing new cars into this country. Stop building new cars. And we're just going to rely on the old shit that we have and recycle it. Never Did I happen. say recycle? Yeah, I said recycle. Recycle, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Recycle, huh? Yeah, there you go. Recycle our shit. That's all we've got to do. Yeah, that's... that's yeah, that's Because it is insane. It is insane. It is well, I don't want to... I don't want an electric car. I don't want to buy... New, I don't want a new car. I don't want a new... But I want my same old shit. Yeah, I mean, my car, that's, that's my wife's work car. My car's 16 years old, 17 yeah. years old. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're out the ULES, aren't you? No, we're just in it. You're just in it. <laughs> and my, my car's all right, just. Yeah. But we, we, they literally, the, the camera's just finished where, where I am. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to report yeah. the wires have been cut. <laughs> Not by me, but they've already been trimmed. Yeah, there's the, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. But again, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's money. Boom, money. But it's money. money in the middle, in the middle 
strata, right? It's there's businesses that are that are benefiting from this. Amazon's making millions and Elon Musk. Yeah, so my 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 thing is it's like okay, so um, you know, and it's you know it's not a conspiracy theory, but it's 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 a fact. You know, the middle class is getting shrunk. And the reason being is that the upper classes are buying all the middle class assets and the middle class can't afford to live the way they are at the present moment in time, so they're selling up all the assets. So, for instance, if, you know, my parents' generation, a lot of, you know, my friends and their parents, they had houses in Notting Hill, okay? That's houses that they, you know, bought for 20 grand when they were fucking run down and pieces of shit are now worth, you know, one and a half, two million pounds, Okay? Sold up and they've moved out. You know, but who they sold up to? Sold up to this person doesn't live there. Da, 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 da. Those, those houses got turned into flats by these big land, you know, um, landlords and stuff like that. And then it's been filled up with, you know, got gentrified, da 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 da, etc. So forth and so on. But the community that was there before are now, and they were the middle class, and now they're out. And now the people that you got in there are just basically people who. You know, just renting. Who there for a year, there for two years, and gone. But the community itself is just starting to dwindle, 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 dwindle. You know, and those assets do not belong to the people that live in the area anymore. And so that's what's happening. You know, in the, from London, that's what's happening. You know, Kent and Essex, full up. Those yeah. you know, are people who owned businesses and stuff like that in in and around central London. You know. A lot of the guys that I know work in the city now live out in Essex. Mm. You know, it's a common thing. We live out in Kent. But there's a there's a layer even um, above that, which is that money in inverted commas is mm. just printed out of a computer. It's 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 correct to say that there is gentrification. Mm. You know, landlords, developers businesses big businesses squashing smaller independent mm-hmm. businesses I mean, covid again did this in a crazy way right yeah. just destroyed so many small businesses mm-hmm. so tesco just opens another convenience store here sainsbury's open great where this guy used to be he couldn't mm. stay open but, there, but there's a layer above that which is all of the the money in inverted commas that we're talking about yeah. it's not it's not backed by anything it's backed by debt it comes out of a computer someone literally just goes like what happened in COVID, uh-huh. we're going to give everyone furlough money. Where's that coming from? Hang on a minute. Tap, 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 tap. <laughs> there you go. There's 50 billion pounds. That's literally what they did. And now we've, yeah. we've got the inflation that comes behind it. Because yeah. when you print more money, yeah. suddenly it's worth less. Yeah, it's worth, it's worth less. But also it's, it's like the, the... It's about the assets that's been bought with that money. Or assets that's been bought. So... That money that you know government prints, that's you know the furlough money. So that's one aspect of it. But if Sheikh Baba from Saudi Arabia is, is just bought the house that I used to own in Notting Hill, that's his assets. Mm. And me as a middle class person moves out and spends that money that he's given me in this bit. That's now the money is not worth as much as it was worth, yeah. sort of thing. So it's, it's a vicious kind of, it's a vicious cycle, you know. It's a vicious cycle that, you know, the, you got that and you got everything else that's going on that, and then you don't know what, don't know where where that's heading. At some point, it's going to clash. 
how it clashes and where it clashes, do not know. The only thing that, you know, I always say that the only thing you've got is looking after your little circle. You know what I mean? The people that are around you, the people that are your friends, your family and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, that's that's the most important, man. Yeah, that's charity begins at home, right? That's what that means. Yeah. You know, you start from where you are and then yeah. the ripples yeah. out from there. Yeah, I've got, you know, I've got, I've got a big thing that I do and I, I just wish I used to think of think of it that way earlier as 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 a younger person um you know my friend um has run show your role he's my mate i get my geese from him you know um fred who runs mauler he makes all my rash guards keep it in our circle it's, it's, it's as simple as that I'm not going to go to another manufacturer of people I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, it's, it's a, i got another example. Um, a friend of mine who, who does, he runs transport in, in Ireland. He he goes, um, I needed him, one event we were doing, I needed him to come, you know, to pick up some people from the airport and drop them to the hotel when we were running an event. And he goes, Oh, but, but yeah, yeah, mate. He goes, no, 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 I'll do. He didn't say in a Cockney accent, mate. no restrictions. But he, he goes, I'll, you know, I'll do you a favour on a on the stuff. I goes, no, no, I want your top price. The reason being, why should I give somebody I, I don't know that money and not give it to you? I prefer to give it to you. I prefer to give the tip to you. Why should I give it to somebody I don't know? You know what I mean? Why should I give it to Uber or something like that? No, 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 no. Mate, the money goes to you. It's better spent with you. I don't want to come to you for a deal, mate. I come to you for your service and to make sure that you're all right. Because that's how I should spend my money because I know you and you're my friend. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wish I thought like that a little bit more, as, what do you call it, when, when I was a lot younger. Because that makes a massive difference. It makes a massive difference to community. You know, it makes a massive difference to your relationships with individuals and stuff like that. And as I was saying to you earlier, jiu-jitsu does that because there's quite a few of the guys on the mat that have businesses together now, you know? Because, yeah, why should I give that money? Why should I get a developer from out there? I don't know. No, no, you're a developer. We train jiu-jitsu together. You're my mate. Boom. Let's start this. You know, and that's how it works, you know? Yeah, that's a that's a, a nice way to circle back, right? It's the only way. It's, yeah, it's but the, it's the only it's, way, it's the only way, like, if shit goes down, it's the only way that we'll save ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's the only way. The problem, the reason why we're in this predicament that we are is because we willingly gave, give control and our, our assets to people that we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we um, defer responsibility. Yeah, but we, people are lazy, right? They defer to the expert, to someone else, to, so they yeah. don't have to really think about it. Yeah. You know, rather than taking My accountant does jiu-jitsu. My accountant does jiu-jitsu. Does he get a free private at tax uh, season every year? I'll if I can write it <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's important. It's important because, you know, um, there are, I think, society, you know, our, our thing with society is because we, we, we are greedy. And we're in this predicament because we are greedy and we don't res we haven't respected for a long time the worth of people. Like, for instance, like, oh, here's another one, right? I had an argument. Not an argument. Debate with somebody. And they went, um, 
why don't you do free trial classes? And I goes, why should we do free trial classes? Oh, because I want to try it out. As well, if you want to try it out, you know, you pay for the trial class. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But you pay for the trial class. But why should, why should, why should that burden be my burden? You know, it's like, if you like this place, enjoy it. You, you pay. Yes or no? You pay. Yes or no? Simple as. You know, eventually we'll have a relationship, and that's how it works. You know. It's oh no, but da 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 da. You know, and it's like. Mm. You're the type of guy I don't want here. You're the type of guy I don't want here because you're the type of guy who would look for a deal somewhere else when really and truly the makeup is that everything should be in between. It, everything should be amongst us, you know? Mm. And, and it's having that mindset. You know, I said to my missus and her boss, is like, we have a summer grade and this time we didn't do it, but um, the, the big dinner, but last year we did it. And they got a restaurant upstairs. I said, you know what? Boom. Everyone goes upstairs to eat. Because the money stays in the building. Yeah. It doesn't go outside. It stays in the building. So whatever we pay as having a big dinner, it stays within the company. And it, the benefits will still filter down to us. And we'll start the circle again. Why is it all the time? It's like, you know, you have to, oh, find me a deal somewhere. Nah, mate, here you go. I've got it. Here you go. If I don't have it, I don't have it. You know what I mean? If I can't afford it, I can't afford it, mate. I can't afford it at the moment. When I can afford it, you know, the business is yours. It's simple. It's, it's about having those honest conversations and being honest with yourself. You know, that's where it should be going. Not to be having this kind of greed greed thing. You know, I think I said to him, I guess to him, you know, you got for a pub in it. Yeah, yeah, I'll go for a drink. Like How much are you spending around? Because uh, 20 quid. Well, what's your priorities at? Is your priorities to improve yourself or is your priorities to just get pissed? And you don't go to the pub and say, can I just have a couple of pints for free? No, I want to no, taste the beer. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't. <laughs> I mean, you literally don't. Kind of pint, right? yeah, you, you don't have like to pay it, for wine tasters now. You know what I mean? So there you go. But it, it's, it's about respecting that culture. It's about respecting, you know, if you want to learn something, you go out there and you can. I want to learn. I'm going to put aside this to, to learn. If you clearly can't afford it, if you clearly can't afford it, then, you know, somebody will help you. Somebody will come along and they will help you. Mm. You know what I mean? But if you respect the person's business and you respect what they do and you respect, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what you should do. And that's the only thing that's going to keep us in good stead. Yeah, I think because we have this kind of throwaway culture now, people, mm. they, they, they don't value really anything because it's like oh well if it breaks yeah. i just get another one yeah. if, if that breaks i get something different um we and and we we especially don't value people's time oh, because you yeah. can't see it yeah you can't see how many hours you've spent on the mat yeah. teaching thinking going over things oh, time did is that the wrong? only thing that money just can't buy me yeah that's it. Yeah. It, is, it is it is it is the most valuable there's a there's um I was listening to NLP podcast a long time ago, mm. and there's this story um, when they used to have these transatlantic steamer ships, you know, yeah. Titanic, these kind of big yeah, yeah. things, and it's supposed to be setting off the next day, and, yes. the, and they can't start the engine. Yeah, and the captain's freaking out, like you know, we've all, all this money, everyone's here, we can't go. Go and find a, a mm. mechanic. Go and find an engineer. 
So the first mate goes into town and they're looking, looking, trying to find this guy. Oh, you need to see this guy. Oh, he's yeah. not there. To... Anyway, they find this guy. They bring him back to the to the ship and they tell him, "Listen, like we've got to we've got to get going tomorrow." And he's like, "Okay, fine." So he takes out this little uh, red hammer mm. and he starts walking around the boat and tapping it. Tap 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 goes on a pipe. Tap 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 goes on a wheel. Tap tap. Uh-huh. Hours going around the boat. Tap 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 tap. Anyway, he comes back to the captain. And he says, um, you just need to turn that dial a little bit. So he turns the dial, the engine starts. Amazing. Fantastic. The captain says, fantastic. I'm so happy. Thank you. Don't know, don't know what to say. Uh, give me an invoice. So the guy gives him an invoice. Yeah. Uh, £1,001. Yeah. And the captain starts freaking out like, this is crazy. Like all you did was turn this dial yeah. a quarter of a thing like that. How can that be? He says, give me a, give me a, an itemized invoice. Yeah. And he says, um, turning the dial is a pound. <laughs> Knowing which dial to turn was a thousand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's what people don't see. Yeah. They yeah. just see, oh, well, you've already got yeah. an academy. Yeah. You're here anyway. You've got yeah. a class anyway. Yeah. Why yeah. can't I just turn up and yes. train? But they don't yeah. see 25 yeah. years. Yeah. Of of training yeah. that goes yeah. behind it. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the world we're in. That's a wonderful analogy. <laughs> so, so let me um, let me ask you two more questions mm. that have got nothing to do with any of that stuff. Yeah. So number one is, if you were trapped in a TV show for a month, what yeah. would you choose? T- what TV show? TV show. Oh, that's a hard one can be anyone you can you can be anyone what would you go for oh mate oh oh hell's kitchen gordon ramsay um (laughs) yeah would you go for a Um, a cook show i do not know actually that's a really hard one that's a hard one i need to come back to that one i'll tell you my answer go on at the moment and it's it's been quite consistent for a while i'll be in the a-team I'll be the fifth member of the A team for, for a month. I don't know. Oh man, TV show. Ooh, it depends. Oh god, am I? What that, were your favourites when you were younger? Um, a Night Rider. Yeah, the, yeah, but nah. 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 Be boring. Yeah, it'd be boring. It'd be boring. It'd be very boring. I, I need to come yeah, back to that. You can check me on that one. That's a good one. That's All a right. good question. Yeah, that's you... a fucking good question. All right. You can... <laughs> You can uh, if you if you come up with an answer, throw it on my uh, Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> throw it on my Instagram. Okay, then the last question is: Yeah, you can have ten million pounds yes. in cash right now. Yeah, but you're being chased by a snail. <laughs> Fuck the snail, mate. If the snail touches you, you know this question. If the uh, snail touches you, you die. Yeah, the snail knows where you are at all times. Yeah, it has only one. Um, purpose which is to get to you uh-huh. cannot be stopped and it cannot be killed yeah would you take the money no no because you know why because you have people that rely on you and you cannot live in that fear it's about living happy that's that's why you're put on this earth it's for you to be happy and you to make everybody else happy and if you can't make everybody else happy because you're living in fear then there's no point so fuck the 10 million pounds mate Perfect. It's 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 yeah. It's no point. It's literally, yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, it's, it's just yeah, it's just one of those things, man. This I think, um, we have to consistently remind ourselves that's what you're 
here for. It's like um, got a, a satellite academy. Well, a satellite. Them, my brothers, man. A Legion Wrestling, you know. And it's I always say to uh, Coach Amir and, and Mohammed, always I like teaching there because it's like a spiritual reset. Because you know, because of their religion and stuff like that, it's a totally different view of martial arts and how how they treat each other as as brothers. It's so different. It's so different. And sometimes, you know, in order to kind of remind yourself about why you're here and what you're doing, you need people like that to always kind of check in. You know, and it's it's good. It's good. It's very very good. So. Yeah, yeah, you're here to, you're here on this planet to, to you know, to make sure everybody else is spiritually uplifted by your own actions and what you do, you know. And the other thing I say is, don't be scared sometimes to kind of like say it as it is. You know, if you feel like somebody's being a dick and saying, "Mate, you're being a dick, man," don't do that. Don't do that. But you're being honest, so you're being truth to yourself. You're being true to them. Their reaction. And, you know, if they don't like it, it's literally not your problem. It's that's their it's their issue. But what they can't call you is a liar. And what they can't say is that you've been untruthful. You know what I mean? Or you haven't been honest. You've been honest. You've been an asshole. It's as simple as that. And it's just for them to kind of like deal with that, you know. But you need people like that around you that can always keep you in check. Because it's not always like, it's not always like your, your partner, your wife or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not... Because women don't want to hear men's problems, really. They don't, you know. If you're having loads of shit going on in the day, you don't want to come home. Your missus does not want to hear your shit. And I think that's one of the things with like men's mental health that doesn't get said enough. It's like, you know, you hear it and you see, oh, men's mental health, blah, 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 you know. And you hear like, you know, you hear, oh, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but you don't, you know, you hear like, you know, Women on or seeing on Instagram say, "Oh, men's mental health is really important." But we as men know, you know, your 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 heart, your half, your better half doesn't want to hear your shit, you know. And part of your job as a man is, it's you know, it's supposed to be this whole macho thing. But part of your job as a man is to make sure that your your family is protected and stuff like that. And some some and a lot of that is protecting them from things that affect you. And that's where your boys come in. And that's where you're, you know what I mean? You've got to be able to sit down with your boys. You've got to be able to have those chats. You've got to be able to, to do that with your boys, you know? And then go home and be that that beam, that ray of sunshine to your family, to your kids and to your to your spouse as well. So, yeah, you know, being put on this earth to enlighten everybody is very, very important. And having your, your, your circle, your boys' circle or whatever it is, man, you need which you're gonna get on a jujitsu mat. So get yourself to jujitsu people. Yeah, yeah, you get you get on a jujitsu mat. You get on jujitsu mat. But it's also um you'll um you find I think you find it among more amongst the older guys, you know. Um I said this at a grading the other day, is um at the Legion grading the other day, you know, youth is wasted on the young and, and what do you call it, and, and wisdom is wasted on, on the old. And it's just fuck. It's so true. It's just like it's just one of those statements. Like, Argh! God, I wish I'd known that statement before. But it's true. It's really, seriously is is really really true. When you have um, younger guys who have issues and they're coming to that boys group and stuff, and to see how take a step back and you see how the old heads manage it 
and manage his issue in particular, it's it's a, it's a it's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty. You know, we always men we we need that, and the world would be a better place if we had more more stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. M- more traditionally, older people were were valued very highly because of oh, yeah. their experience. And now we've mm. done sort of 180 degrees where we want to discard old people because yeah. they're expensive and they're annoying. Yeah. So we want to just yeah. bin them off somewhere, and it's yeah. th- that's why we have a lot of the problems that we have. Yeah. People don't sure. people don't respect they don't respect old people anymore. It's crazy. I, I mean, like I I can remember when I was young, you know, being at school or mm. even like in the street. If yeah. someone was older and they said something, like you stopped and listened to them. That's right. You're like, yeah. okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and it, I don't think it's gonna get better though. I think it's gonna get worse. Um, the reason why I think it's gonna get worse, I've seen like my my youngest plays football. And I've, there's an incident actually that happened um, last season. Um, they're ten years old, ten, eleven years old, and. Um, one of the kids um, from opposition team said something to one of the other kids. Um, horrible word, mate. Horrible word, right? And like, psh, and thing. And then the mum goes to her son, "Don't say that," and just get on for your football. And he turned around to her, and he goes, "Shut up, you c-word." What the fuck do you know about football? And I looked at him, and like all of us standing, we looked at him, and then we looked. At, I looked at her, and I went, "Are you gonna say something, or should I just run into the field and give a kid a big slap?" You know, I mean, don't you talk to your mum that way? You know what I mean? It's like, I'm just like, "Oi, don't, don't we talk to your mum that way for?" You know, but it's like, dude, that's your mum. You know. It's a statement that, you know, mother is the name of God on all kids' lips. Yeah. How the hell can you speak to your mom that way? Yeah. It's like, but you know that is something that's not just happened out of the blue. It's, you know, it's been a build up to that point, mm. you know. And those kids are that age where boys and da da da, and you have to kind of like keep them in. It's the tantrum age of, you know what I mean? And with sports, it's, a, it's a, such a heavy dynamic. But you got to keep it in check. But I just thought, you know, if that doesn't go unchecked in about five years' time, when that kid's 15, 16, he's gonna, he's, he's gonna just wild. Could be wild. wild, be wild, be wild. And so yeah, it's you know, I was like, man. But it's you know, one of the, um, the safeguarding officers. She she's one of the parents. She went over to the opposition coach and just goes, listen, and she had a big word of him. And the coach, you know what I mean, pulled up the kid and stuff like that. But it, it needs that. Yeah. It needs that constant, like, check, that constant check, you know. And people are scared to check kids nowadays because they're scared of, like, oh, you're going to be this or that. And, you know, sometimes overprotection is, is a bad thing. And, you know, kids need to be exposed, especially boys need to be exposed to certain aspects of, discipline or control that will actually make sure that they are grow up to be you know civilized outstanding citizens you know mm. and if those things go unchecked then you know you're asking for the worst thing in the world to happen i mean i think that's one of the one of the benefits broadly of, of all martial arts for kids it's, it's amazing yeah and particularly yeah. i think for for jujitsu because yeah. you can be literally rendered completely helpless and realize yeah. like there's nothing I can do here. Yeah. Like I am yeah. All I can do is hope that this guy doesn't break my arm. Yeah. 
but I can't do nothing. But I love to see, I like seeing kids do jiu-jitsu, man. It's, it, it, is, it, is, it is amazing because they, they do it with, a, with a, um, an air of enjoyment that's like, you know, if you're an adult, you'll be jealous of. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's really good. And, you know, they, yeah, it, it gives them a really good structure, the discipline and stuff like that. The only thing I would say about jiu-jitsu in that, you know, and it's team by team, by the way, it's not like jiu-jitsu on, on the whole aspect. It doesn't have the, the, you know, like when we did martial arts before, it doesn't have that amount of, discipline like you know we like kung fu or judo or whatever it doesn't have that so it's certain aspects of you know certain things will, will slip by the wayside etc what actually kind of needs to be especially if the kids need to be kind of like tightened up yeah you know um you i see it with the adults sometimes you know um one of the things i do is delegate so for instance my middle boy he comes and does jiu-jitsu in one day he came on with um, without his belt, and I, I went to um, uh, uh, one of my other black belts and one of my other brown belts, and I go, "Listen, he's coming without his belt. If I do it, it's coming from his, his dad." I goes, "You don't do it," and they just went to town on him. I was like laughing, was like, ah, but it's important, you know, yeah. it's important. And then they went, which was really good. They brought all the, the low grades, the whites and blue belts together and said, guys, just a reminder, wear your shoes, wear this, da 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 because it is still due to the academy. Always come to the mat, or say hello to the coach. And it just gave them the whole, this is what you do speech, just as a reminder. And that's that's important. That's very, very important. It's important that always, boom, reminder, reminder, guys, reminder, this, this is what we're doing here. You know, it's just not a free fall. Don't turn up late. If you turn up late, go apologize to the coach and say turn up late whatever you know just simple things that carry on into life so yeah you know. beautiful <laughs> where do people find you online oh can't find me i deleted all my social you you're are you active on instagram a little bit yeah 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 just uh what do you call it? actually the academy's in glorious grapplers and uh, some glorious grapplers at uh, uh what do you call it on instagram um and uh yeah just Jude Samuel underscore at, on Instagram as well. I just stick to Instagram. I don't like, you know, I've got I've, I've got my Twitter account and Facebook account, but I don't really kind of go in there, you know, or because yeah, I don't like the toxicity of of stuff, you know, especially after COVID or during COVID. It, was, it just got bad. It got bad. There's certain instances that I had with and saw certain opinions of certain people that I actually had to cut off. Because, you know, it's like, dude, deep down, you're racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, mate, you're racist, you know? It's like, uh, no, nah, mate, can't have you. <laughs> can't have you as my friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's um, due, during the whole lockdown period, it was, a, it was a time for people to sit back and listen. And I think people felt comfortable with saying stuff that I believe that they should have asked opinions first without actually kind of speaking spurting out but social media gives people that tool to type or write without thinking first or speak without thinking first and it, it actively encourages it because of the response factor from it you know yeah. somebody would say something and then you say i oh, know probably i should sit back and see what happens then somebody says something else again now fuck it i'm gonna respond boom 
and then you, you've just said something without even thinking about it. I get it. I get it. But you're fucking adults. You're not 10 years old or anything like that. So just like, yeah, think about what you're going to say first and then boom, do it. You know, so yeah, yeah. It's a uh, COVID. Oof. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it it was. Let's 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 just say that because I could talk about that for hours, <laughs> and a lot of people did, don't agree with my my uh, analysis of what happened. But I mean, I am a, I am a card carrying tinfoil hat wearing oh, conspiracy theorist. So that's you know, cool, man. It's, I listen, the, from that side, the best thing during COVID was traveling. Because I had to travel for work. Same for me. It was amazing. It was Jumping like on the plane, there was holidays, no right? one there. Was, well, the roads as well. Yeah. Yeah, flying must have been... Oh, there's no one there. It was interesting because it's like, you look on the news and you're like, oh my God, 10,000 people at Heathrow a lot. And you go into Heathrow and there's literally about six people. <laughs> yeah. And you walk through security, there'd be no one. Yes, shops were shut and stuff like that. But, you know, some shops were open get your little snacks, jump into the plane. So would you like to upgrade? No, because there's nobody sitting next to me for the next four aisles. Be really great. I can flip up all the things in the middle, lie right across, you know what I mean? It's like, I oh, say so you got to wear your mask. Okay, oh, I'm drinking, <laughs> you know. But it, um, yeah, it, it was a strange, strange, strange time. Strange time. It brought out a lot of, a lot of um, weird opinions in people and also, you know, um, I think I think what I heard said, and I think is is probably the most succinct way um, that sums it up the best, is that it didn't create people; it exposed them. People Ooh, felt yeah. that they were yeah. able to be themselves, yeah. like you say. Yeah. Actually, yeah. you're a bit of a racist. Yeah. Actually, you yeah. always thought that. You just didn't yeah. want to say it before. Yeah. Now yeah. you feel justified. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it allowed people a little bit of rope. Oh, to mate. come out and go yeah. I'm literally biting my tongue now <laughs> what I was saying but yeah it, it literally it literally did you know people that you thought and I during the time I, I put some check on some people you know um, and I had to like say something publicly um, at one instance um, and then I got the phone call so oh, 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 um I, d I didn't mean it that way. Blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, so you thought it was cool for you to come out and on social media and say your opinion and didn't think it will affect me and people like me. But when I responded in this manner, you're panicking. Because now you know how it felt for me when you said what you said. Just don't, just don't be dick. But hey, too late. Now I know that's how you feel and that's what you, you know, that's your opinion. You know, we, we don't need to cross paths or be friends anymore it's as simple as that yeah have a nice life you know that's a you problem that's not a me problem that's a you problem now so yeah it's, it's little things like that you know that that happened and and just sort yeah interesting very interesting <laughs> yeah well let's hope that you know as a as a species we've learned from that little social experiment and we we don't yeah. go down that road again i think the positive thing from it though because you know as Everything negative has something positive has to come from it. I think the positive thing from it is the relationships that really got bonded even tighter during that period. It's like, you know, um, yeah, people that I 
well, my friends and stuff like that and colleagues, etc. you know what I mean, were close. But, you know, you know, you're, you're family now. You know what I mean? Like people like David Anuma, for instance, you know what I mean? It's like minimum chat all the time during COVID and stuff. It was wicked. It's good. You know what I mean? It's good because it was important to have, um, you know, when, when people reach out to you and, and say, yeah, you good? Yeah, I'm good, man. You good? Yeah, good. Nice. You check up. And that, that, was, that was important. That was important because, um, you know, everybody was going going through shit and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But that was important. Motorbikes were so so important as well. It was just great. It's great being out on the roads. No one, boom, 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 boom. The police would be parked up doing fuck all. You fly past them and they're just like, I'm going to be asked. Because they ain't going to chase you. You just yeah. go. You just go. Just you and a few mates just go. And you get out and it just be just like open roads, go down the coast, whatever. You know what I mean? And just have a little bit of breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? Just out for a bit, you know. Take my little boy in the back of the bike, go for a spin around the block or whatever and come back. Cycle down the river and stuff like that. Just do stuff like that. that they're, the, they're the real positive things that came out of that period. You know what I mean? Just your your community came together a little bit more. Yeah. It was a reminder. Oi, don't forget your community. Mm. That was a big reminder. And those that weren't part of the community or part of your community got exposed Yes. Got exposed because they were like, oh, you know, you can't do this, this, this. And they, they pulled themselves away from you because of, rather than saying, yeah, this might be our opinion, but, you know, you're, you're our community and we need to band together and, and be part of, of this, you know, of this little thing here and see what we can do, you know what I mean, to resolve it if anything just goes awry. So, yeah, they're, they're the things that came out from it for me, you know what I mean, the positives of it, you know. Just bonded everyone a little bit more together. Jiu-Jitsu bonded together a little bit more. Yeah, it did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it changed because I think everybody realized what they what they took for granted, you know, and you can't take it for granted. You know? Yeah, I mean, Jiu-Jitsu you can't do on your own, right? You can't do on your own. You can't. It's it's a, it's about the the other guy really because yeah. you got to you need a training partner. Yeah, training partners. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we put we put a mat down at home because mm. of lockdown, yeah. and that became the White Basement, and that became the White Basement podcast. And, yeah, you know, Seymour comes now every week to train with us, and you know, we, yeah, so yeah, we made some really good, strong friendships. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's that. good. That's good. Yeah, no, it was, it was cool. It's like because um, the the gym and that stuff was being built during the time, so it's the you know go down there and clean up stuff and blah, 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 and et cetera. But, but like, phew, hit the running machine, <laughs> do this, do that, blah, 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 and mats free, boom. Do you know what I mean? Come train, boom. You know, it was just, you were able to do just kind of little things just to kind of like break out just a little bit. And, um, but yeah, the whole getting everyone together, that's, and not having everybody train at the same time was, was, was hard, but everybody realized actually you can't take the thing that we hold so dear for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good, it's a good lesson. Thank you very much for coming. No worries, my friend. No worries. I really no worries. appreciate your time and uh, your long journey. Yeah, no, it's cool. Through it's London, cool. it's cool. It's cool. I, was, I still can't think of of the TV show, Mandalorian. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mandalorian. <laughs>
<laughs> no, no, it's no. A bit, it's a bit kind of the food looks bad. Yeah, the food the, looks bad. It's a bit grim, right, Mandalorian? Oh, I don't know. All right, I'm, I'm just going to go for what you call it. I mean, 80s is, 80s is going to have that yeah. kind of everything was kind of cool, right? By yeah. the end of 60 minutes, everything was resolved, oh, no matter man. what happened. They, they weren't too deep in those days. It was like, right, here's a problem. By halfway through, we're working on a plan. Miami Vice. Miami That's Vice. a good one. Yeah. Sunshine, good food. Oh, mate. Yeah. Fighting criminals. Dri- driving a Ferrari. <laughs> driving a Ferrari. Cool, cool clothes. That's for There you go. Silk suit. Yeah. <laughs> good shout. Yeah, yeah. All right. Miami, we'll put that as the placeholder then. In case you, in case you change your mind, but Miami Vice. I'll go with Miami Vice. I'm going to go with Miami Vice. Yeah, and see a, where it leads. That's a good call. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Uh, guys, thank you very much for listening. If you made it all the way through, I know everybody's time is precious, so thank you for listening to the show. Follow us on Instagram, at White Basement Pod, new show every Tuesday. Uh, like I said at the beginning, leave us some feedback, leave us some reviews, share the, the uh, podcast with uh, your friends, and we'll catch you next time. If you don't deserve my love, you won't get it, no credit. Me over once and regret it, yeah, I said it. Feelings and emotions, I can shed it, re-edit. I'm running from my past, yeah, a legacy through the hell is. I'm running around my brain, trying to find the